What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Of course, the NBA season right now is suspended, but the league is putting together some ideas, at least, about how it may want to end this season. We'll talk to you guys about whether or not we think it will be a good idea what is being proposed currently. Also, the NFL draft is getting some uh, shakeups regarding how the teams can operate, and we're hearing some uh, news regarding what uh, moves we may be seeing in that in that draft, as well as some uh, news on one of the most high-profile players in that draft, Tua Tagovailoa of Alabama. So we'll give you guys an update on where the NFL draft stands. And I think uh, NFL Twitter was quite a buzz at uh, who they saw Lamar Jackson working out with this offseason. Yeah, yeah, it is offseason for the NFL. Um, a certain trend raised my eyebrows. I had to, I wanted to, Toss to Kendall and see what he thought about the idea of Antonio Brown joining the Baltimore Ravens. All those stories, all those stories, plus who's flames and who's trash is back this week. We got Kendall's core at the end of the show. Kendall is my co-host and he joins me today. Kendall, what is up, dude? And what do you got to talk about today? Yeah, uh, obviously another uh, week without sports was like week three now without sports. Um, You know. It's it's tough, but you still got us, so that should be fun uh, for anybody who likes listening to this podcast. But um, yeah, to this weekend would have been uh, the final four and would have been WrestleMania. Oh wait, WrestleMania is still happening. Um, <laughs> we really shouldn't call uh, WrestleMania that thing they're doing this weekend WrestleMania. I don't know what. Yeah, well, we have, we'll have to see. We'll, we'll have to see the finished product before we uh, okay <laughs> before we uh, establish that, but. You say, well, we, it I don't know what we you talking about. <laughs> you maybe. I know. I've already come to a conclusion. If this would have been the Final Four this weekend, EJ. I'm curious. Who do you think you would have picked to win the national championship? Because I already knew who I was going to pick, but I'm curious to hear who you would have picked. Baylor felt like the team to me. Baylor reminds me a lot of – they reminded me a lot of the Villanova teams we've seen win in recent years. Um, clutch shooting – Multiple guards that can get their shot off. Tough. I mean, trusting Scott Drew to win six games in a row may seem like a, like like a, a, a foolish a foolish leap to make, but I, I really think he did a tremendous job. The way that team was playing, um, I know they kind of was scuttling a little bit towards the end of the season, but I think that was more about playing a long season in a fairly difficult conference and you know getting caught a couple of times. But I, I thought that they were um, – to me, they played the best together as a team, so they probably would have been my pick. Yeah, I would have. Uh, I I was I was leaning towards going with Oregon, which would have been a, a little bit of a surprise, yeah, a little bit of a sleeper. Um, they kind of had a feel of you know you know some of those UConn teams that wanted uh, with Kemba Shabat Pritchard could have done something in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. Um, but this was really, you know, a very, uh, wide open season. Um, I, you sent me a text yeah. earlier this week talking about, you know, feeling bad for Anthony Grant, you know, oh, at yeah. Dayton, cause this was, you know, his one shot you would think to make a final four and potentially win a national yeah. championship. And Dayton would have absolutely been one of those teams that, that could have won, I think this year. I think you, same sentiment goes to Kevin Willard at Seton Hall, oh, um, yeah. Uh, Brian Dutcher at San Diego State. I mean, D- Brian Dutcher, a lifelong 
Steve Fisher assistant mm-hmm. finally gets a chance to be a head coach for the last couple of years and builds that San Diego State program back into a national contender. And who knows where they're going, you know, next year or year. I'm sure they'll still win the Mountain West, but, uh, I mean, feel yeah. bad for those coaches. Obviously, they're the Coach Cade and the Bill Selfs and, the, you know, even Mark Few at this point that will always be <laughs> in the conversation. But, um, you know, some yeah. of these coaches won't have that second shot. So. Yeah, I think that talks about Anthony Grant because, I mean, again, you kind of, you kind of forget how Grant had been a hot name after what he did at VCU. Um, he really was kind of what put that program on the map before Shaka Smart yeah, came Shaka over. Smart, before Shaka Smart, yeah. Exactly. And and he, he got the job at Alabama, and it was kind of a lot of mediocre years. The program never never really got off his feet, and he was out of a job. And this is a guy who we know can coach basketball because we saw what he did at VCU, um, but just wasn't getting it done for whatever reason at Alabama. And I was upset because, I mean, this guy, he was named AP Coach of the Year. He had a tremendous season. Um, obviously, Obi Toppin, New Yorker. I wanted to see what Dayton was going to do in the NCAA tournament. I thought that they could have been a very dangerous team considering Grant's experience uh, in the in the NCAA tournament. Those those kind of like, you know, Grant has, has been deep in the tournament, so maybe he doesn't apply as much. But some of those other guys you mentioned, like the tournament in these seasons kind of make or break your career. Like Absolutely. some of these guys could have made iconic status based on what could have happened in this tournament. And the fact that they never got that opportunity – you know, you know, I, I, I probably am the guy on the show that probably, um, I probably is a little hard on college coaches on the show more than you are, definitely. But right. I'm not, you know, I love basketball and I love, you know, the X and O's of college basketball and basketball period. So, you know, forget about the, all the stuff that the growth stuff that goes around collegiate, collegiate athletics. I, I, you know, I, I like seeing greatness rise up to the occasion and the idea that some of these coaches, and some of these teams that were having these great seasons, they will never be able to realize what could have been. It just it sucks, man. I really I really feel bad for for all those guys because because um, you know the Dayton's of the world, the San Diego States of the world. This is this was like probably their shot. You know what I'm saying? Like their shot to win yeah, that championship. Roll in every year. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a Gonzaga fan, so. You know, sometimes I can be jaded by the idea of like, you know, oh, we didn't win this year. Well, we'll get another shot because Gonzaga, you know, they were kind of the quote unquote kind of, I don't say the original Cinderella, but the original Cinderella in terms of a team that consistently kept making it to the tournament, upsetting people. But, you know, most teams don't ever get past that first two or three years of maybe getting some upsets, maybe getting to a Sweet 16 or an Elite 8 or so. I mean, these are teams that were, you know, undefeated or one loss, two losses. (laughs) That would have been one season, two seasons, like... I mean, they really could have made a lot of noise. So the fact that they they didn't get the, uh, that opportunity. But imagine if, imagine if this happened to Brad Stevens in 2010, and right. we they never. I mean, obviously they made yeah. it in 2011, but who knows? They make it again in 2011 without that first experience. You know, like exactly. We may never even know that Brad Stevens is. Yeah, maybe Brad Stevens never cashed maybe that 50 million dollar check. Maybe he's he's coaching at a high major college coach right college program but maybe he's not an nba coach you know so like these things are, are legitimate i mean anthony grant's already coaching the nba under billy donovan mm-hmm. you know so i mean he potentially could have been an nba candidate had he made a final four run but you know these kind of things are unfortunate obviously and there's plenty of stories across plenty of sports of people not having those opportunities but um those are just some of the names but uh obviously again would have been the final four so uh, tough time for a lot of people, a lot of college basketball fans. Absolutely. And we'll see 
how this NBA season ends, if it does indeed have some kind of conclusion. The NBA is already in talks to kind of put something in place, and I'm curious what you think of it, Kendall. So apparently the NBA is giving serious thought towards playing a shortened postseason exclusively in the city of Las Vegas. The idea is that all 16 teams will compete in one city and possibly even one arena, the Thomas and Mack Center. Do I have seen the idea that maybe they could play in casinos? And I mean, it sounds like crazy stuff. I, I've heard, yeah, I've heard Atlantic City is also being considered. I've heard Louisville. I've heard Hawaii. Ring. Yeah, I've the, heard Hawaii as well. The most recent report I saw today was kind of, you know, I think it was Chris Mannix, who was pretty much saying that really Vegas is the only serious getting, city that's getting serious consideration. But I have that heard makes, that those other cities were also being thrown out there. I think I don't know a lot why of it, Atlantic City, given the situation right now in New Jersey. I think the uh, thing would be by that point in time, you know, New York and New Jersey are kind of ahead of the curve, not in true. terms of treatment. Like, I mean, things are bad here, but in terms yeah. of like how bad it is. Right, like, the yeah. idea is that is the virus seems to just be going west. So, you know, okay, if New York is at its worst point probably in the next two or three weeks, you would hope. And I knock on wood and I pray to God, you would hope by July or so, maybe the cases aren't really that bad. So I can see why that. But that's why Vegas to me is interesting because, like, to me, you, again, you're going further west. I think probably the greater chance you have of seeing really yeah, you're playing bad five, cases. Yeah. I would have thought that somewhere on the East Coast would have actually made more sense to me unless you're trying to play the season, like, next week. And maybe I say, okay, then maybe you go out there. But, I mean, again, even – Right now, like, you know, Washington has had a lot of cases. You know, Los Angeles has had a lot of cases. So it's, like, really hard to say um, how this would go. But nonetheless, it, it seems like like this, this scenario would, would occur in Las Vegas, playing most, if not all, the games at Thomas and Mack Center. The summer rounds would be dramatic, dramatically shortened. I've seen a proposal where it would be, First round, best of three. First two rounds, best of three before you got to a best of seven or best of five. Um, I've heard some people say best of five. Then and then and then elimination games. Yes. Yeah. I saw. Yeah. Exactly. Single elimination. And then the finals or conference finals or then just the finals would be best of five or best of seven. Like that to me makes no sense. <laughs> I don't know why you would, the first round would be weighted more than the conference finals and conference semifinals. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, if you want to do the first two rounds, single elimination, uh, I still don't really like that because then now it's just it's all hell could break loose at that point. But um, I I really don't want to touch single elimination, but you may have to. But if you are, maybe only the conference semifinals. But I, I don't know. I mean, to it's me, re- Kendall. I mean, I, t- I told you this before, and you know, I was pretty solid on this when we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and I'm gonna stay the same. I mean, this season is tainted. I don't I mean there's a champion out of this. It's it's an asterisk. It's the biggest asterisk in the history of sports. And look, uh, yeah. it's not a disrespect to whoever wins it. I don't know who's gonna win it, so it's not like I'm you know hedging my bets on. Oh, if Giannis wins it, well he ain't got a real ring. Or if LeBron, this ain't number. This really isn't a real ring. Like I don't know who's gonna win, so I, I'm not just. I don't know what's gonna happen. Especially if you're talking about single elimination, and that really throws it out there. Like I don't know what's gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? But. At the end of the day, this isn't NBA playoff basketball. This is something entirely different. Um, if you're talking about, especially if you're talking about any kind of a single elimination. I mean, that just goes against kind of what it's supposed to, how the NBA determines a champion. And the idea that you play these series and these teams have to make adjustments and 
the team that, in the end, plays the best, makes the most adjustments, uh, can can win the the battle of attrition of playing that many games overall, and and then of course the you know coaches speak who wants it more deal, they are gonna win. Like there's a there's something to that that really resonates with me. I think should resonate with any real NBA fan in terms of how the NBA does it. Now, I love college basketball. We just talked about the NCAA tournament start to show. I, I think it's the best postseason in sports. So let me preface that. I'm not saying that single elimination with that they do in college or you know basketball or the NFL or college football is bad. I'm just saying those sports they what they look for in champions is different and i just think that if the precedent was set for a certain thing and you change it to this where you're talking about possibly multiple single elimination rounds i mean to me that's not i mean there's no home field advantage i mean i, I don't know that home field advantage thing maybe isn't as big a deal but that i mean that is also huge to me like all these teams that played the whole season to try to get home court uh, then, you know, to me, the Clippers, you know, this would be the biggest. I mean, obviously, we, they no one ever would have wanted this coronavirus thing to happen. But for all the, you know, people saying that they were, you know, fooling around with, you know, seeding, it's like now it doesn't really matter. Like, because they're going to have to beat good teams anyway to get there. And home court is not an issue. So, I mean, this, to me, this, the, the postseason is going to be tainted. Um, they should still do if they can because the entertainment value and how much we love basketball, I'm going to watch it. Everyone's going to watch it. But I think in terms of what we could take from away from this NBA season, to me, not a goddamn thing. And it's it's it sucks. You know, I don't I don't I don't take pride in saying that. Um, but that's just the situation we're in. That's my opinion, at least. And and if they find a way to say, okay, we'll do you know maybe best of three the first round and or first two rounds, maybe get the best of five, then you get to a little bit closer to what an NBA postseason is like, and I can maybe live with that a little bit more. But to me, it still would be a tainted result, nonetheless. Um, yeah, I mean, like, tainted, obviously not in the sense of, like, you know, cheating or steroids. Or, oh, of course not. Any, of course not. not of, but just tainted in the sense that the result uh, means less than it normally does, you know? And obviously, like, there are levels to how tainted it is. It's like, cause I mean, there are some people and I, you know, that say to an extent last year's NBA finals was tainted because Durant got hurt and Clay Thompson got hurt. I would say to an extent, you know, probably not much, but. But see, I, I, I totally reject that because that was, again, that goes into what it takes to win a championship, staying healthy, the war of attrition. Like that's all right. part of it. Like now we may think that, you know, it's just like when a team says, oh... I, I mean, it's lucky. I guess that's what we want to call it. Or unlucky, I, rather, for the Warriors, whoever you're looking right, at. Right, it's unlucky, yeah. But, but it's still... I guess the people have to look at the Raptors and say... Quiet but anybody who doesn't think that luck has anything to do with winning a championship, they don't know anything about sports. Right. Luck goes into it. Yeah, staying healthy a lot of times also involves luck. Getting hurt oftentimes involves luck. That's bad luck, but that is still luck. That That's right. part of the whole idea. Game. So that doesn't, that doesn't diminish... Or to me, it doesn't it doesn't negate what the Raptors did. That's part of the game. Changing the rules in the middle of the season because you have to get a result in a in a in a speedy way, in a safe way, and that's no issue. And that, there's not one argument for me to suggest that 
if this is the best option, which was the question I was going to ask, if this is the best option, should they go forward with it? Absolutely. If that's all you can do, I think you have to try to finish the season. I think you should have games. Um, in terms of just, I think it's good for society. I think the NBA could use the money. <laughs> uh, like, I just think it's fine. Like, but in terms of like, if I'm going to take it like a normal NBA championship, like when LeBron, I don't know how many times I've watched uh, that 2016 finals, you know, over the last two, two, two or three weeks. Am I going to say if LeBron wins this title that I'm match it up with what he did in that series? I mean, come on. Of course not. Uh, to be honest, I have a kind of a wacky idea, Kendall. And <clears throat> they probably are not in a position to do this. Though I would maybe challenge them to only because we are so early into we are so er- still early into the planning phase of all of this because we we still got to get to a point where we're even safe to be outside for this to even happen and we're not there yet so let's just keep that one hundred but I would argue that this should be th- like the NBA this sh- like you can call it the playoffs but to me I wouldn't call it the playoffs I'd call it something totally different and this should be the first inaugural tournament that you then will then that you will then unveil in the regular season when you do your eventual regular season tournaments, which right. are going to happen probably next year. The Stern Cup thing that they're right. talking about. You know? Right. To me, this would be like, okay, we're not going to have the NBA playoffs. There's not going to be a little Larry O'Brien trophy handed out. That's not happening because this isn't the NBA playoffs. But we, we're, we're going to do the Stern Cup or whatever this is going to be called. That's going to happen. It's going to happen probably. It was They were trying to do it next year, most likely. And if it wasn't next year, it was going to be the year after that. But either way, this was going to happen. This is a whole new tournament, a whole different thing. But this is gonna how this is gonna be how we determine this year's NBA champion. It's not gonna be how we determine every NBA champion, but this is gonna be something we're gonna do every year. And you and then you could mess around with how the qualifications go. You know, if you're saying, oh, we, we don't want to yeah. have it to where 16 teams are in it next year, that's then don't do it like that. What? But I would just I would I would brand it something different, and that I think would also bring a little bit of intrigue, a little bit of like kind of oh okay well. This isn't the NBA playoffs. This is something totally different. And, you know, and we could, and then I think it will provide historical context for these performances we will eventually see. Because then we can then go back to, well, the first one that determined the NBA champion, you know, this is what it was like. It's, again, I know people who don't watch wrestling show will be annoyed, but it's like the, the two times in, in WWE history when the wrestle, when the WWE championship was determined by the Royal Rumble. Like, of course, that's not like the typical. Way of a, a championship is you know determined, but it was cool. It was different. You still were the champion, but you like it. It, it just we like the circumstances around it were still uh, different, and you and you branded it different. You branded the Royal Rumble. You know what I'm saying? I would do the same thing with the NBA. I say this isn't the playoffs. This isn't a normal title match or a normal WrestleMania. This is something different. This is something we're gonna do every year. It's just this year it determines the champion, and that would make it special because now when we move forward. Um, for the three, four, five, ten, twenty, twenty-five, fifty years, maybe, hopefully, uh, that this in-season tournament thing is going on, you'd have this precedent of well, the first time this happened, it determined the NBA champion. Imagine That's my wacky like, idea. Imagine if they did do like a tournament that had like all thirty teams and certain teams that buy, and it was maybe just single elimination. Winner wins the championship, like. Maybe you do it with the the model that they had during the All Star game with the Elam ending, you know. Like there are things they could do if they really want to, like you said, be wacky. I think there are gonna be people that don't like that, just in terms of like they want the traditional, the closest thing to a traditional playoffs. I think ratings. But they're not gonna get. My point is, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get that. My thing is like it seems like I'm, maybe I'm being pessimistic in that point, 
But if, right. if they're floating the one <clears throat> game elimination thing out there this early, I mean, we're again, we're two to we're probably at least three months away from this being even possible. Yeah. So if you're floating out out this early, that ain't a good sign in terms of what you can and can't do. You're you're grasping at straws now with what is possible. So if right. single elimination so, don't yeah. now, then then all right, let's work with that framework, understanding that that's not an NBA playoffs. Nobody thinks that's an NBA playoffs. Call it something totally different and name it a different trophy, and that be the way we determine an NBA champion for this season. And to keep that formatting for when you do post, uh, I mean, excuse me, uh, regular season tournaments in the future, which is what you're going to do anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it would still be kind of a blow, I think, to a lot of people. Of course, it would. This this is a terrible situation. I mean, yeah, the blow you regardless, know? but like. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it would be, it would be, you know, I mean, we would all watch, you know, you'd have to get the players on board. Obviously players are going to want to play, but um, I don't know. I, I guess for me, I would hope and I would hope that you could try and get some semblance of a three or five game series each round. If you want to do the NBA finals, the seven game series, if that's possible, do that. And I mean, I, I am for all possibilities that resemble closest to a playoff. Let me make that very clear for our audience. I'm saying if you're even floating out the one game elimination for multiple rounds thing, don't call it the NBA playoffs. That's that's what I would do. I would say let's call it something different. It will determine our yeah. champion, but it's oh, not yeah. what we're gonna give out. We're gonna brand a whole new trophy. It's not it's not gonna be the same thing. But this is how the NBA champion is determined for this season. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the the one game elimination thing, single elimination thing, I am right now against. I mean, I, I could probably I could probably be swayed. But would you be prefer, they, would you prefer they do a, they do no playoff and they cancel the season in comparison to a single elimination? That's as that, of right now. That's the question. Yeah. Really? Okay. As, as of right now, I think because I've already had the, the 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 mindset of look, I think the NBA has a lot of reasons why they probably should cancel the the, the postseason. Mm-hmm. It was just sports in general. But uh, there's just a lot of reasons also why they can't, most of them financial. But in terms of, like, it would be very convenient for them to just cancel it now if they could eat the – if they could eat the, the, the loss, you know, the expenses, then, yeah, of course, I think they should just cancel the season. Wow. If you feel like it's getting, if you feel like you can't have a real postseason, and look, if you want to have a tournament made for TV tournament, you know, like, I mean, fine. I like you said, I wouldn't call that the playoffs. I wouldn't. I mean, if you want to give somebody a trophy and give them a trophy, um, make it some event, but you know, but I like I wouldn't. If you're gonna do something like that, then I'm not playing any more regular season games. I'm not uh, freezing. The I may be freezing free agency if you want to freeze free agency, but I'm not freezing the draft or anything. But that's why I will cancel the season because I think when we talk about the NBA calendar, like if you try and do the season in August, July, you push it all the way back then. Now you're talking about trying to do the draft in maybe August. They're talking about maybe doing Labor Day as like a deadline. If they if they go to season if they finish the season by Labor Day, now you're talking about doing the draft and. September, uh, October, 
I just don't I mean, think usually the draft is only about a, a week or two before the, after the season ends. So that'll be September. Yeah, I mean, after, so. yeah. So assuming that that they would work under the same right guidelines you know, or schedule, we don't know. I mean, maybe it would take them longer to then do a draft because of where we are as a society. But but let's just say if we were going down that path, that's when it would happen. It'd be mid right. September. So when you talk about that, I just don't think that it makes any sense for them to wait that long because now you're gonna have draft prospects in limbo for months you have teams maybe teams do need months to scout these guys and stuff but like i i just don't know how that that would work like are any of these guys gonna be in any shape if you're talking about the prospects like maybe by then if you're playing games guys should be able to go to gyms and stuff but like these are all hypotheticals where it's like you'd probably be better off just like doing the draft in june and having like free agency in july and just saying all right season's over again financially you'd be screwed which is why mm-hmm. they probably can't do it yeah. but just calendar perspective they'd be better off just having I, yeah i think i think season. that and then they can just start back up in november or whenever they want to push the season back or start up in october if you can yeah but i mean i i think that if you lost season it would stink as a fan i don't want to see it but right. you know i would almost prefer that than them try and like push everything back for like a one game elimination playoffs i'd be yeah. like all right that's a waste of time i mean i and i and i really all your points are very valid i went through them in my own head very pretty much all you said i think they're all they all make a lot of sense i think i came to the conclusion that if that if they're gonna they should try to do something if they can again only if they can you shouldn't do they shouldn't do anything that's going to be potentially unsafe anything that can put anybody at risk I, that situation, cancel the season. That's how I feel. But if that is possible and you could do something safe, but it, it, your options are limited, if it includes some kind of single elimination, I'm not crazy about it. It's not the thing I want. But I do think as a society, and I think as a league, I think it would be important symbolically to say, to see guys we playing. were knocked down, <laughs> the whole country was knocked down, we didn't know what the world would look like after this thing, when this thing started, and then what would it look like after it, it, I, we say the word past, but again, we're just such a, we're such an unknown. I don't like saying the word past because it's like, I mean, maybe it's something we're kind of just dealing with for the foreseeable future. Like, I think it would be something, there would be some value in saying, you know what, but we finished. We did something. We entertained our fans for the love of the sport, for the love of the game. Of course, there's money involved, and that's a big part of it. I'm not, you know, I'm giving you the sentimental side of it. There is going to be there are going to be plenty of financial incentives as well to do this. But in terms of if that's an option, I think taking away them being money hungry, I think that that is important. I don't think that that's nothing. I think that that would be a value to us as a country and and to the world because NBA is quickly becoming. Uh, a very global sport, maybe the most second global sport behind soccer, so or football to other people who aren't in this country. So I, that's my take on it. I, I I definitely get a lot of your your sentiments on not having really an appetite for any kind of very very shortened single shortened playoff or a single elimination playoff. Something anything that looks, for lack of a better term, kind of like you know, cartoonish in regards to like how they come up with a champion. Which is why, again, I think the way to remedy that for me would be just don't call the NBA playoffs. Call something different. Say it's the first year of this thing that we're going to be doing every year anyway. And they should work it like that. 
if if the if the ends me, I would say if you kind of floated it earlier, if the idea of that Stern Cup would include all thirty teams, then I would put all thirty teams in it. I mean, seriously, I would just I, I think that all that has to be on the table for this very uh, this very difficult circumstances. Now, I think that that value and that entertainment is going to be good for everyone. Yeah, last thing I, on this before we move on. Yeah, I feel like the other aspect of this is that you know. I think you have to look at when we talk about that entertainment aspect. That's why I say, like, depending on when this happens, it might be ideal. And some people don't care about the NBA draft, but I just feel like, for me personally, I just, I'm just, I guess, I'm just talking for myself. You know, I would prefer the draft just take place in June, have free agency and all that stuff, and then just have games resuming because i feel like people already kind of resigned to the, the fact that you know the season's over um obviously people want to see it back but i don't think anybody's clamoring um but because if it comes back it's coming back in july i mean i think i think that that's a, i think that's a little hard to say because everyone knows we're so far away so we say people aren't clamoring it's like i mean yeah because it's not even feasible to even try right. to play so I, like my thing is if you got you close to being debate. possible and then they decide ah we're gonna cancel it i don't think that i, I disagree with that sentiment i think that people would be feverishly wanting to see some kind of conclusion to the season right so my thing is like you know i think that when you have the draft and if you can have the draft in june free agency in july all that stuff is already uh, a lot of NBA content, a lot of, as we've seen with the NFL, the NFL has been able to capitalize on this, uh, I wouldn't say capitalize, but been able to, you know, survive in this, uh, um, you know, no sports society by, you know, using free agency and the draft as content, you know, and um, like the NBA, it's going to be tough to go, all the way to you know July, June, July, August without basketball, and then have guys play. What are guys? I mean, you already talked about it before. You know, what are guys even going to look like? Guys going to be in shape? I mean, Grant Williams from the Celtics, Chris Paul. You know, he played on Chris Paul's AAU team, and Chris Paul is saying how he talked to Grant Williams. Grant Williams is in Boston in his apartment, and he's got no way of working out. You know, is Grant Williams going to come back looking like Jared Solinger? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I, I mean, these are things that I'm like. Obviously, you know, I'm not saying these guys are all going to be out of shape, but, um, like it's it, 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 you know, there are reasons why they also probably. Yeah, I mean, look, I told I I've I've made a case on this show that I am extremely 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 concerned about uh player safety. I think that that is, I think the what we which is why I'm trying to say. I, I wouldn't want them to. Tr- I don't know if doing, if it's not feasible. I don't know if pushing for all these seven game series is, 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 makes any sense. Like I, I think that the one thing that is kind of an upside for me to doing this would be I think it does mitigate the player safety concern I have about players who haven't played in months being told to go out there and play seven game series with playoff intensity. That would. It's not perfect, but I think it's something that I could, uh, I could at least, I, I could at least stomach a little bit in terms of because I, would, I, I mean, I did a whole rant on this show about how I think that player safety is getting thrown out the window, and it's one of the reasons why in the beginning, in the beginning, I felt like 
canceling the season. And I still feel like canceling the season is still not a bad option. I, I just think that if you're gonna, I've come around to if you're gonna do something, I said I said I would I would just maybe not call the NBA playoffs. Do you think my last question is? Do you think that they could do the draft without? Do you think they could do the draft and do the playoffs in June? Like, I've heard that. Draft? I mean, from what I've heard, they don't want to do that. Right. Um, I don't and, think. I don't. Th- I, and like, and to be honest, I don't. I don't know if you can. Better the best of both worlds. I'm saying I think they need the draft and free agency. Obviously, you can't do free agency, but like, if you do the draft in June and still give people the games, now you you give people the best of both worlds. It's like, all right, we still keep ourselves somewhat relevant, somewhat in the conversation, but yet for the people that don't care about that or just for the, the optics, like we still have basketball being played, you know? Well, basketball so, content is not, no, the draft is not a game. Right, exactly. I mean. Know? So, I, you know, I'm saying like we still have games, be, if you want games being played, we'll have games in the playoffs. So, like you have the best of both worlds on that level and – I think, obviously, it's not going to be the same in terms of the draft happening before. Yeah, because the draft is a precursor to the free agency in the offseason and what happens in the playoffs a lot of times determines maybe what a team may do in the draft. Right. So it's, I mean, look, baseball baseball does their season, does their draft in the middle of the season, and they don't seem to have as many, They don't. it doesn't seem to really affect them that much. Um, but I think it, I think the difference, obviously, basically, you have a robust minor league system where those players aren't going to make an impact on their major league rosters for exactly. at least two years. Almost everybody, at least two years, and that's like being very generous. So I think it may be weird for an NBA team, you know, you know, for the Magic to be drafting their, you know, their future, their point guard of the future, while you know, well, they may not draft point guard, but let's say they did, and Marco Fultz is out there playing for the Magic in the playoffs. Like it just might be a little weird. You know what I'm saying? Or teams, you know, drafting a guy who's clearly the replacement for a guy who's out there playing for his team, trying being told, "Hey, give your give your all, and win one for the Gipper." It might make things a little weird. In what situation? Like, I mean, if the guy's on a contract year, then then he has his own financial injury. Right, but but yeah, but sometimes your individual your individual incentive may be different than what the team incentive is, even if that is the case. Look, if that guy doesn't play hard in the playoffs, then that guy's a loser anyway. I'm not saying like, play hard. I'm just saying <laughs> how it can affect a, if you look, a player's it, playing. It just, it just, it just, it, it's I mean, a different I, dynamic. I, There's no question. I, I consider, but I think that that's, I think that's a minor, at least a minor thing. All right, that's not something that I wouldn't do. Though. All right, you're saying that now. I mean, and, you know, I know you're you're I'm, tapped into the the NBA player agent, I, you know, I was, communication stuff like. I, I, I think that you're underestimating how much of a of a monkey wrench that would throw into like as a, as locker, a Celtics locker rooms Celtics when you're drafting, drafting guys replacements in prepping for the playoffs. If the Celtics drafted Cole Anthony, with if we traded up to draft Cole Anthony, or we trade up to draft Lamelo Ball, even I don't I, I don't think that like I would be I, like I don't think Kemba all of a sudden would like go crazy, you know? Like I mean he's the franchise player. Like I don't think that that would affect him that much especially since it won't even kick in until next season so it's like i don't know i mean i think this i i hopefully guys now in this in this society realize this stuff isn't really that important as long as these guys are getting their money as long as these guys are healthy like this stuff like whether or not you know you're the starter or the backup is very irrelevant you know what i mean so 
hopefully, hopefully it's not the case. You may be right. Maybe these guys are going to be, you know, losing their stuff. And there will be guys probably upset, you know, where do I fit in the roster, especially the guys at the end of the bench. Like, all right, do I even have a spot for next season? But I don't know. I mean, they do the lottery during the draft. That's already kind of awkward. But most of those teams aren't in the playoffs, so it doesn't really matter. Um, and but they don't control what happens in Celtics, that. you know, the Celtics, we – I remember, like, when we won the lottery and we were in the conference finals, it was like, all right, we're going to draft Marco Fultz. But there wasn't like people were like, all right, Isaiah Thomas is out. I guess he doesn't have to play. You know, screw him. Yeah. I don't know. Um, let's let's go from the NBA draft stuff to quickly the NFL draft, where, uh, as you said, there's been a lot of conversation about what's been going on. So first, obviously, there's going to be a lot of changes in how the draft's going to look. The whole ma- massive mega presentation that we were expecting to see in Las Vegas is really not going to happen. There won't be all these players there. Um, I don't think there will be any crowds there. I don't think that's even allowed anymore. Um, I, I, I'm assuming it will be a television event. Uh, like, everything I've seen that it will be televised, and that what I saw that there will be about fifty prospects available for like you know video remote interviews right. throughout the. Like, I don't know. If, like I guess my thing is that is, is Vegas even a thing anymore? Like are there, like is Adam like do we know is Adam Gilder, is, like, is, uh, is Roger Goodell just gonna do it like in a, in your, York New York headquarters? Yeah. I mean I don't know. I think I don't know if the NFL really knows the answer to all these questions. Yeah, I don't think they have any clue. Yeah, <laughs> there seems to be as we've seen with today's memo. It seems like they're kind of making up the rules as they go. But which um, is probably a smart way to go, by the way. Yes, I agree. Okay. I actually know me and you are actually on the same page on that. I know a lot of people may feel like they don't they don't know what they're doing, but man, as if you listen to any of the you know uh, health experts and and the uh, elected officials who seem to have a handle on this, at least the people who are acting like they have a handle on it. It's a minute-to-minute kind of day-to-day, you know, hour-to-hour sometimes thing where you think you could do one thing and then you can't do that or you think you can't do one thing and they say, you know, you could do that. So I don't I don't give Goodell or the NFL any grief for there being kind of like, I don't say mixed messaging, but just like, you know, them kind of changing the rules about what's going to happen yeah, and them no being open, convers- open conversations about what may still end up being what the draft rules are by – before we even get there, and we're not that now. We're in April, so we're not that far away. Um, so obviously, no crowds, no players, and all that stuff. Um, teams, as per today's memo, but again, this is today's memo, will be allowed to hold their drafts at their facilities, which have been closed during this entire time. Uh, but only ten people or fewer are allowed in any room. So if you've ever seen an NFL draft war room. That may be difficult when they're telling you that you have to have people six feet apart from each other. It's impossible. Yeah. Yeah, and you've been in an NFL in an NFL facility. Yeah, it's impossible. So you know what a draft room looks like. I, yeah, I've, I've seen plenty of uh, plenty of plenty of video of, of of draft rooms, and you'll and we've all seen draft room videos. But like, it's gonna be like obviously the owner would probably be there, coach, uh, head coach, GM. You know, director of scouting, your top, you know, your 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 the the person that's doing the call, the phone call is also typically someone different. Uh, you have your your tech people or whatever, or your your scouts. So you have plenty of scouts in the room. You'll have cat people. You'll have uh, position coaches, or you can call in an offensive coordinator. Come in. You call in the defense coordinator. Like it, it would be impossible to have all, all 20, 30 people in the same room in today's climate. It's very possible with these teams having these large boardrooms to have it on a normal draft. 
Um, the good thing is that all these coaches, all these people, all these executives have offices. So in theory, they could all still be in the building together. Yeah, if they're all, be all in a teleconference or some kind of video conference. Yeah. Yeah, conference call. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm, I don't know if you talked about it on, on air, but I think I talked to you about it off air. Uh, if I didn't talk about it on air, obviously, where I, I told you that I thought that that would be probably what we see is that a lot of teleconferencing, a lot of video conferencing, maybe in the same facility, which is what I assumed before. That would be facilities. Um, but some teams aren't going to be able to do that. The Saints have decided they've rented out some building, some warehouse or something. Uh, that that uh, that uh, Miss Benson owns, so uh, so so you know they're not going to be at the at the New Orleans Saints facility, and I'm sure there'll be other teams who may decide not to be in their facility. The Saints obviously had the issue with Sean Payton being in quarantine. I don't know if that may have anything to do with why. No one's he, in the building. He goes, he was like, you know, I'm going to be the safest guy in there. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, he say that now, but this, you know, again, this coronavirus thing is so unknown, man. Yeah. Stories of people getting it twice. We don't know if it's yeah. true or not. Like it's it's scary. It's scary. Yeah. But anyway, we'll have all the information. Hopefully, you know more information at least in the summer. Yeah, but yeah. Hopefully, yeah. get some some information by the time they do this draft, so everyone can be as safe as possible. Uh, so this is going to be a, a very different uh, occasion. It's kind of the GMs last week wanted to cancel it. By the way, yeah, they did. So they, they wanted they, to postpone it. Rather, yeah, because I mean, look, the pre-draft process, as you know very well. It's just been blown up. I mean, you can't have people working out. You can't have, you can't invite people to well, no facilities. pro days. Yeah, no no pro, no pro days. I mean, Miami had just uh, posted that you know the day was supposed to be their pro day a couple of days ago, and they or maybe yesterday, they posted an Instagram saying you know no pro day today, but here's highlights of our old players you know at their pro day, which was as a Canes fan, great to see. But obviously, I was like, oh man, I didn't even think about the fact that Miami doesn't have a pro day this year. So a lot of work that usually yeah, is really done to get uh, these guys. Jeff we're gonna run at a, we're gonna run at his forty time. Well, did he? He ran he ran like a four four at the at the actual combine. Didn't I know. He? Yeah, I was, I was being uh, oh, okay. Maybe I get the jokes. I should I should ease up on the jokes, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's time like, But um, yeah, I mean, like it's uh, it's it's gonna it's it's I can see why the GMs were like we can't do this in good faith. But I'm kind of curious to see. You know, obviously, I'm not. I don't want to just be like, "Oh, I want to see you guys work under stress or work under you know terrible circumstances." I wish that none of this was happening, but it will be fascinating. I think maybe it's a better word to see uh, how these GMs and organizations perform without having like the crazy, yeah. all Info. that crazy stuff. You know, um, not having these you know random weird interview questions. They get to interview to talk to these people and not having them in the facilities, not having them do private workouts. Like how much of that stuff is really necessary, I guess is my question. I mean, I'm sure they would say they need as much info- information as possible. And I would think that you would want as much information as possible into guys you're giving millions of dollars to. But I just think it's going to be kind of a, 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 a weird experiment to see, okay, None of that stuff is at your disposal. You got to just watch the tape you saw last year and hope that, you know, every guy that you like is in this combine. And, and you know, that's not a private full workout. That's them working out with 60 other guys or however many other guys and with the them. The top guys can do it. Yeah, and some of the top guys just didn't participate. So, like, that's <laughs> that's going to – it's going to be interesting, man. Like, it, it, I'm, I don't know what to really make of, of – of what's going to happen now that we don't have a lot of info. Would that mean we see more predictable 
mock, like drafts, like we go to the mock draft. Because a lot of times, I think in the NFL, you'll see like some wild and crazy picks. And some of that may have to do with, you know, a guy they brought into their facility that they liked. Or maybe they saw they did a workout with a guy they liked. Or maybe they saw teams made it, did an interview with a guy and saw that he was not the kind of character they would have wanted in their team. The guy fell. Like, I'm interested to see it. And my, my hypothesis would be that maybe these drafts will look way more like what, uh, you know, Mel Kuyper or Daniel Jeremiah mock draft would look like. Like, maybe it would just be, look, man, just go chalk. Like, why are we going to rock the boat with doing something crazy? We don't have any extra information in, like, what, you know, Mike Mayock, when he was an NFL, you know, network guy, draft guru used to have, or what, you know, Ty McShay has. Like, why, you know, it might not make sense to do anything too crazy without that extra info. Or, you know, or will it be more outrageous? Like, maybe more teams will be like, you know, they'll see things on tape on guys that they really like, and they're going to, you know, without having to think of all this private workouts and stuff and, and interviews, maybe they'd be like, look, we like what we saw on tape. I don't care yeah, what the no time consensus. I don't care what the measurements and time say. I think this guy is a second round pick, even though he's a day three guy to most people. Because at the end of the day, like all these teams are going to be seeing like they like, obviously all these teams, like if a team drafts a guy in the top 10, like they've probably seen every game they've played in college, but with every snap they've taken, but like, you're going to have, like, when your team goes to a pro day and a certain scout goes and, like, all these teams are sending scouts and they all see the same pro day. So, like, typically the guys that all shine are the guys that rise to the top, you know? So there a consensus forms amongst the league. But there's going to be less of that consensus because we only had a combine. So it really it's just going to be, I guess, the guys that were good at their combine. And, but, then you got, uh, and of course, people uh, are going to value that. And you know? through all that stuff, I didn't even mention the lack of medical. How many Black guys Black that may have a questionable Black medical, uh, will, will they take a flyer on? Or how many guys that have a questionable medical, teams that's, just won't touch? They're not even going to think about They're going to be off the draft board because they're like, I haven't seen his medical, and he ended his college season with a serious injury. That's like, why these GMs wanted, didn't want this to happen. Right. Because that's the biggest thing. I mean, when you're talking about playing football and basketball, it's it's important, but it's not the end of the world. You know, it's it could be the reason why a guy slips, but it's not – but teams are more well, more or less. Teams will, take, were, teams will take guys off a of draft board because of their medical. Yeah, just in completely. football, like teams will one hundred percent take a guy off their draft board because of the medical. Like and a guy that like could be a very high pick for a lot of people. They just say we're not taking him. We don't absolutely. think he can play after three or four years. You know, and there are a lot of there are going to be a lot of guys that just weren't at the combine. Mm-hmm. You know, that couldn't get medical testing or like those guys won't get drafted because you're talking about like playing the most physical sport, you know, in the world, um, at least in America. And these guys having average shelf life of three to five years in the league, I, I, you can't risk a guy. Like you said, you can't risk drafting a guy with, you know, a major injury and your own team doctor couldn't look at him, <laughs> you know, like, so those, those types of guys are also going to be very, very hard to draft. But look, at the end of the day, like, your your Joe Schmo mock your your Joe, your Joe Schmo scout like does he that that makes a mock draft they they do their evaluations through tape for the most part like they don't have the the medical information and they still can make decisions you know like I like for me like if I'm a general manager like I don't think that that would be it's important I'm not saying it's not important I'm not saying that. Teams should should not have medical information when they make picks, but 
in this time, like you have to understand, like yes, there's just some concessions you have to make, and the NFL knows, like, look, if we don't do the draft now, like we're pushing it back. We may, we may just be pushing it back for no reason because if you push it back, like you may never really get the the approval to do it at any normal date. You might as well just do it now and get it over with. Yeah, I think this is. I I think I mean I think the NFL has no choice but to go through with it. To be honest, it's the only yeah. thing that really. Yes, like in theory, you want to have a lot of people in a room together, but it's in theory it's the only thing that really can be done remotely. Remotely, <laughs> right? It's it's not going to be convenient. It's going to be a pain in the in the behind for a lot of these executives and scouts and stuff. Television partners, television partners, but this is one of the few things where if I'm a league, I told you about all the stuff with safety and stuff with the NBA and not pushing it. Um, this is, to me is very clear. The show must go on. Like you, you just have to do the draft. You, of yeah. course, you do all the safety parameters they're putting in place. I mean, they're saying ten people. I don't know if they should even put that many people in a in a room together and give them that much license. I would. If say, it's a huge, facility, I would say maybe two. But in one, but one, one room, Kendall. How much? How big can that room be? We ten, well, I guess six feet like, with ten room, people. Like that's not. I, that's a big room. I'm thinking like. For example, like the Saints, if they have a if they got a giant warehouse, like can you well, no, well they're 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 setting up a, a situation that makes sense for them. I'm talking about the teams that are going to hold it at facilities, right? Right. I'm saying teams those teams, y'all got to make it work. Like I'm not well, hold, I'm not holding it because y'all like, well, I want to have you know my assistant tight ends coach in the building. Sorry, <laughs> that ain't happening. We got to get right. this done because, as you said, the more you wait, this is going to get worse. Unfortunately, for this country, so. The idea that you're going to wait longer in hopes that maybe, oh, well, hopefully it doesn't get, um, hopefully, you know, by three, you know next month or two months from now, we'll be able to bring guys in to work out. So that's not going to happen. That, you're not going to be able to ever yeah. bring in a guy for a workout. Never going to be able to test, have your doctors check them out yeah. for a medical. That's Dude. never that's never going to happen this, this, this draft cycle. So either you go with what you have now or don't have a draft or just, you know, be all right, all these guys are just frozen until, you know, I don't even know how you would even when you would even begin to put those guys into the pool of players that can be, you know, put into this year's season. So that this is their only option. So again, you know, I have really very little issue with what the NFL has done. I, I thought the whole if you speak out against our rules, we're gonna find you. That's that's typical draconian nonsense that the NFL gets involved in. And it you know, that's the yeah, reflection of muscles in a way that's ridiculous. Climate, you should you shouldn't t- I feel like no. the league touch that like guys that was, that was really they, they don't like the rule they don't like the rule um it's it, it it's weird times yeah 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 no that was that was not smart i don't know why i don't know who the nfl pr person was that thought that that was a good idea to tell them it's okay to put this memo out that it's clearly gonna get leaked out to the media and everyone will see uh that wasn't smart but besides that i think how they've handled it i think with regards to moving forward with the draft i think they have no choice speaking of the draft still um it seems like the Dolphins are apparently very hot on LSU QB Joe Burrow because uh, Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald says the uh, team is planning to make a push to acquire the number one pick. They are currently at number five, Kendall. So to get to five, get from five to one is going to take a considerable package. It's not like what the Redskins did a couple years ago. Not a couple years ago. Jesus, like 10 years ago um, or seven years ago with RG3. They were really low in the draft and jumped all the way up, but um, but it's gonna be a package to get from to jump three spots to get. To they that. have three first round picks. 
I think you're gonna have to get rid of probably all of them. I would think. Yeah. To to, to make this happen. So is that worth the price of Burrow to you for Miami? Yeah, I mean that's the, that's the question because it's like, look, you're talking about Joe Burrow, who's an Ohio kid, played at LSU. Uh, the Bengals have the number one pick. Um, the Bengals thing is weird, man. I this feels like, like I I don't know what this feels like, but it just feels like they're not. All in on Joe Burrow. It don't feel like he's never. Gonna, it feels like he's never gonna play a, a, a snap for the Bengals. It just that's, doesn't keep feel it with, like. Keep it with hundred. That's what it feels like. I'm not saying it like, won't happen. That's what it feels like. It feels right, like that's what it feels like. Like it every like opportunity there's really been to make this feel like an, an, an inevitability, it, it hasn't felt never there. happened. Not once. And you know, like whether it's been from it, his, it's, it's definitely a lot of it's been from his camp. To be fair, almost all of it has been from his camp. But um, then Bengals. you have the stuff with the, the, the Bengals even being at the senior bowl, you know, and working with Herbert. And it's like, oh, yeah, they like Herbert, apparently. You know, yeah, it's just, I mean, they they, just, they really couldn't control being at the senior bowl, though. They couldn't. Yeah, they couldn't control that. They stunk. Like, right. And they, they couldn't were, control saying, hey, this guy is good, which Herbert is, you know, like, like, yeah, but maybe they, they could. Could they have, in theory, controlled the narrative a little more if they really wanted to shut down that talk? Maybe. Right. They, but also, there is there is some benefit, at least to these NFL teams' eyes, to making people not know what you're going to do. Right. Like th- there's some benefit to that. I don't know what it is for your number one. To me, that, that makes it... Unless you're really seriously considering trading, I don't know what, what You know what it this does. feels like? I, it took me a while. At first, first, I thought, is this like when Phoenix got the number one pick and they didn't draft Doncic? But no, because that was more up in the air. No one really knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. There were reasons to believe it was going to be Doncic because the coach and all that stuff, Igor and all that stuff. But there was also DeAndre Aiden being from Arizona thing. But this feels like, and I just mentioned it in the first thing, but this feels like when the Celtics won the lottery and everyone thought they were getting Mark Huffle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can and see it too. it was a foregone conclusion that Fultz was the best guy and he was going to be the guy and it was Fultz versus Ball, Lakers-Celtics, that was the thing. But the Celtics never said that. Nope. And the Celtics even threw in Jason Tatum in the conversation. And Josh Jackson, is, it seemed crazy. But they they put them in the conversation along with those two guys. And at the ninth hour, they end up trading down. So I wonder if that's the situation here where the, the Bengals haven't said Joe Burrow is the guy. We all say he's the guy for them. It makes plenty of sense for a lot of reasons. But they I mean, there have been reports that they they intend to draft Burrow. Yeah, there have been reports that yeah, you can. No, let's make it. that like, just to be clear that that yeah. has been out there. But it's just weird. And then you also have this, you know, Marco Foles. They were worried that he really wasn't super high on going to Boston, mm-hmm. you know. And then you add in, obviously, there's a lot of talk about Joe Burrow not being convinced. In Cincinnati, that look, there was Mike Brown was in his meeting um, at the combine with the Bengals. Uh, he wanted to be the guy to communicate with Joe Burrow face to face about what the what the situation would look like in Cincinnati when he got there, if he got there. Um, so I, I, you don't really know what to take away from that because Mike Brown could have said some nonsense. I don't think so. I, I feel like if he's going there, I think that means he's interested. Uh, or it could just mean, look, I've got the number one pick in draft. We can't screw this up. So I guess I have to be there. It would just be a bad look from that. Um, 
But on the value side of this, I think if you're if you're Miami, look, I think Joe Burrow is the best quarterback prospect I've ever seen. So um, I would look at, uh, in terms of at least a single season, uh, evaluating a single season, I think he's the best I've ever seen. So if I'm Miami, I would I would certainly look into to, to making that deal. Uh, I, I think the team, if I were Carolina, they already got Teddy Bridgewater. I would have made that move. I think the Joe Brady aspect of Carolina makes it more interesting and appealing to bring in Joe Burrow. I think Miami is barren of talent on offense, so I'm a little bit more concerned about him going there. I even think Cincinnati, you still you have Joe Mixon, you have A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, uh, even John Ross. Like you can kind of make something work. But if you look at the history of number one picks in the NFL – over the last 20 years, it's not great. So I would understand if Cincinnati traded down. I mean, if who, like if you just think in your head, number one pick players, like there aren't a lot of superstars that you can come up with. Yeah, the number one pick NFL player is not nearly. I don't. I don't think is as nearly as foolproof as the number one NBA player drafted. Oh, absolutely. Neither one is foolproof, but like. Some of the guys that have gone number one have just been just straight bums. And yeah. not to say they haven't been bums in the NBA, but not as many. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, be clear, yeah, not just, as many. I just, I just watched the 98 NBA draft uh, during quarantine. My whole candy, uh, pretty bad. That's not a same, man. scrub, but pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot, there's a lot of guys like that, but the NFL. I'm just saying, though, it's just yeah, the NFL, and it's even worse than like yeah, you'll have your scrubs, but like most of these guys just aren't the only Super Bowl winner since Peyton Manning has been Eli Manning. So we're talking the last twenty years, the only guys to ever win a Super Bowl that were drafted number one, at least like Super Bowl MVP type guys, have been the Manning brothers, and one of them people don't even think is a Hall of Famer. And I, it's funny because I would actually argue that since 2010, 2011, like the NFL has actually gotten a lot better at drafting guys number one. Because um, I would argue that really Jameis and Eric Fisher were probably the last bad picks at number one. That you could say legitimately, yeah, that, that guy should not have been number one at all. Everyone else, I think you can make an James, argument. I, look, I, I'm... I'm talking I, about in hindsight. I'm not saying at right. the time. No, I was going to say, I, I would... Jameis, I think the jury is still slightly out. No, he can I, yeah, I wouldn't. They replaced him the first time his contract came up. There, I no mean, jury. it didn't work in Tampa Bay. It didn't work in Tampa Bay. I'm just saying as a prospect, I wouldn't. Like, if you were high on Jameis, I wouldn't give up. But I think like, the idea that he was just can't miss. Like, you're drafting quarterback number one. You think he could be a franchise yeah. quarterback, change your life. Even if he turned out to be a good player, he ain't going to be that. I think that's, that to me. I mean, is, yeah, it didn't work out. It's <laughs> clear. Yeah. So, but I would argue in the in recent history, you know, Kyler Murray looks good still early. Baker Mayfield, I mean, he he's a big question mark right now, but jury still out. Miles Garrett, knucklehead, but great player. Goff took your team to the Super Bowl. You know, he he yeah, played but, well. And I love you know me, I loved Goff, but I I'm Goff not giving better up. Than whatever Jesus. they gave up is probably not necessarily worth what. No, but I think I, I, that I agree when that probably goes to the conversation about Burrow. But I would argue that at the very least, like him being the wrong pick, it's like pick. okay, I can see why that happened. Yeah, it wasn't a bad pick. And in hindsight, is okay. 
he's a quarterback. He's pretty good. He like, the Super Bowl. I get it. But like, I, well, I was gonna just real quickly what I wanted to say though was that last, you know, then you get to Eric Fisher, you know, bust. But then Luck and Cam, obviously great picks, and then Sam Bradford injuries. But before that, I mean, you got Jamarcus Russell in there. You got Alex Smith in there. You got David Carr. You got Courtney Brown, Tim Couch, Kajana Carter. Uh, was he really number one pick? I don't. I don't want. I don't think he's number one pick. Um, Dan Wilkinson. I mean, you, you got you know a lot of players. Jeff George. Like, and again, the NBA has those guys too. They just seem like they're bunched up way more in the NFL. So. I don't know. I, I, what I will say is if I'm Miami, I think the question you always have to ask with these situations is, is it worth getting that guy and me not having any infrastructure in place to for him to succeed? Yeah. That's just always going to be the question. And I think... And I don't know the answer to the question. And that because might be to me, the, to me the biggest thing, the, thing, the well, biggest thing I could think about, even though this wasn't a team that traded up, but the biggest example I could think of immediately is Andrew Luck. Honestly, a team that, that thing, did yeah. not have an infrastructure to support a number one pick, and by the time they got it, he was so beaten up and so depressed he just quit the game. And that's like the best case scenario, like yeah. what he gave them, like you know, AFC Championship run. Uh, you know, multiple playoff appearances, great highlight reel performances, uh, you know, whoever his six, seven years of being a top quarterback. Well, he gave them some great years, but that's how it ended. And it still doesn't sit well in Indy right now. Like, if that's your best case scenario for what happens if you don't have the infrastructure to support an NFL a number one pick quarterback, maybe giving up the farm to get that guy doesn't make all the sense in the world. Um, it, it, you know... It, but then again, if Miami's so bad, it's like do you do you they've been so bad. It's like do you roll the dice and say you know what? It may not be the, quite there yet, but we feel like you know, we got a couple of decent young players here, um, and, and with with another year, we feel like by next year we'll be there if we can maybe give up most of our assets from this year's draft, as opposed to maybe giving up future picks. That's got to be the question that you ask if you're the Dolphins. I don't really know. I can't. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know the answer. I know. I think that. I think that uh, Burrow is a top two player in this draft. I think it's him or Young. I think he is the best quarterback. I just know that if you throw any quarterback behind a team that can't protect and don't have receivers that can get open, besides Devontae Parker, that guy's not going to have any chance. It just doesn't matter who he is. So, yeah. you know that it's just. Do you trust your ability post this draft pick of having to give up everything? Do you? Trusting your ability to still formulate a roster that is worthy of that kind of talent. If you don't think you can get by giving up all and your draft picks this year, then I wouldn't do it. I would and I think take my chances I, with Tua who or, or Herbert, who are very, very promising prospects in their own. Though I have my 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 concerns with Tua's health. I, and that's what I think Cincinnati is, is weighing. Is yeah, that, right, we can draft Burrow. We have the number one pick, but we could just be. Drafting somebody that can't succeed here. But I think the difference with Cincinnati is at least they have Mixon and and Green on the roster. Like those are support, two yeah. good to great talents. Yeah, those, those they can support. Just I guess the offensive line is terrible. Yeah, that's an issue. Terrible. So like there are they're they're not ready to win. I, you would think if Burrow's not a superstar, like they are not ready to win seven games next season, eight eight games. Like 
I mean, look, I think Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is special. So I think yeah, even with him going to Cincinnati, I think they can still compete and win eight, seven, eight, nine games next year. But if you don't think he's that guy, which some people don't, some people don't even think he's the best quarterback, then and you think, all right, we're going to draft him win three games next year, you might be better off just punting, getting three first-round picks from Miami, maybe not even drafting a quarterback, drafting three guys to help you in the long term, stink, tank next year, and then get Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. I don't think there's any chance that they, they don't draft the quarterback this year. And, yeah, and, and maybe you do. Maybe if you get three first-round picks, like if you want to draft Herbert at five since you worked with him, or if you want to – I think the Dolphins are like 18 or something like that, like wherever they are late in the, in the first round, if you want to draft Jalen Hurts, Jake Fromm, or whatever, and do the Cardinals thing where if you stink again and you just draft Trevor Lawrence anyway, I, I don't think that that's good value. I think that that's a waste of a pick. But, I agree with that. You know, but if and but if it's easier to sell to the fans, then fine. But if I were GM, I would draft three position players that aren't quarterback. You know, put as much support around you. Be bad next year because you don't have a quarterback, and then uh, draft Fields or Lawrence. And then now, now when you draft that guy, who I both those guys are just as good of a prospect as Burrow, who I also think is very special. But I think those guys are also special. Then. Now you have the infrastructure to really be successful and have a Lamar Jackson type, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes type young quarterback that goes to a team that's ready to potentially win. So um, I think that is a smart scenario. Chase Young's the ideal guy to get. Can't get a quarterback, but you can't trade down really. You can't, like my, not, yeah, you only trade down one spot. Yeah, unless Miami does some shenanigans where they trade up to two and then trade up to one um but i don't know i guess my thing would be like now it's just hard to sell that to the fan base you know that's the only issue you know can you really sell to the to the fan base not drafting joe burrow i just don't think you can i, like, I don't think no i don't think, just, mike, Herbert, brown, I think mike brown doesn't have enough goodwill to do that i don't think he yeah, does no, you know and i i'll give credit to colin cowherd he actually said this this week and he's not the biggest Joe Burrow fan. He'll tell you that. But he made a good point about he's been he's been saying Cincinnati should trade down. He thinks, of course, he doesn't, he's not a big fan of Burrow that they should trade down, take the value. But they're not that they're not going to do that, and that they can't do that because they haven't built up the equity, mm-hmm. uh, and that New England could do it or any other program. And I think about what the Celtics did. We talk about Markel Fultz. Right. The Celtics were able to do that, and I was all for it initially. I was a little worried, but eventually I was all for it because. I trust Danny Age. Right. And I trust the Celtics. And as a fan, I, I'm i like, all right, I trust our guys. We're going to draft the best guy anyway. And we ended up drafting the best guy anyway. So, but a Bengals fan isn't going to trust that this team knows anything about what they're doing. They don't know. They don't, they don't have no, a Bengals fan is going to be, they have no clue what they're doing if they're draft, if they're not, if they're trading the consensus best guy and drafting the consensus 10th best guy at number people, five. People in Cincinnati aren't convinced they know Mike Brown knows what day it is. Yeah, that's, so, what, that's what you know what I'm saying. So, so no, they're not going to trust him to potentially give up a franchise asset, even if it, they're going to think, even if there are clear and obvious reasons. To they're going to think he's penny so. pinching again, and they're going to say he's there. They're going to think he's missing the boat on something. Yeah, even if it's obvious, like, that he, clear, obvious reasons, right. and may, it may be the ultra smart thing to do. Like there are probably there are certainly teams in the league in the league that would do that, but they're just a. a Probably can't be Cincinnati. 
No, no, I agree, and that's why I, did. I don't. I don't think they will. I don't think that the Dolphins. I don't think the Dolphins. One, I don't think they'll they'll give up enough. I think that Stephen Ross is definitely going to push um, their front office to make a move, but I don't think it's going to. They're going to. I think they're going to look and realize, yo, if we do this, like our already barren roster is going to look. Now, to be fair, they did do some good things in free agency, so it's not like they, they don't have anybody. Yeah, you know, the defense is going to be really defense. Strong. It should be should be pretty good. So, yeah. so defensive, okay, they are in the right direction for sure. And they were even games last year in the second half of the season, but they played some defense. Yeah, Flores can coach. Yeah. Um, they have a nice culture. It's just, I mean, there's no, there's no weapons, you know? Yeah. And that may not be something that they that they provide for Joe Burrow in year one, but if I'm Burrow, look, Miami's great, so I'm sure he'd love it. But, like, I don't know how much more I'd rather be there than Cincinnati. I may be asking my own question because – by saying this, because I realize Tom's age, but how much do you think Brady being out of the division could be afoot as to why the Dolphins may feel like this is their time to strike and get that guy? That is interesting because we haven't. I mean, we've always heard they liked Burrow, but like this stuff really got hot after Brady left. Exactly, especially since he's in the state also, which I also think is uh, ironic. But yeah, um, it's not like we think that Brady's gonna play for five more years. But is there the idea that him not having to go up against what feels like a New England monster, even like, in his first three like, years, like maybe it, that says, yo, like, this is maybe our end. Like, and you really believe in the prospect? You feel like this is our time to strike and get the guy look, who we feel I, like we, we, we're not afraid of Buffalo at all. So if they're the team of this division, this is our time to really rebuild and, and really go for it. As opposed to going for it, knowing that Bill and Tom aren't, aren't going anywhere. I... I mean, it's 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 fair. I mean, they may think that they could win the division next year, and I think that that's very lofty. But uh, it's not a strong division, and Buffalo is kind of a question mark. And the rest of these teams, uh, the Jets and the Patriots, seem to be kind of in no man's land. So, you know, you kind of you feel <laughs> you feel pretty decent, uh, but you're, you're still talking about a team that won what three games or four games, whatever they won. So, five games. Five games. Okay, I'm uh. Jipping them a little bit, but um, talking about win the team that won five games. So, how much better can they really can they really get to nine, ten wins? That that would be the question. Um, personally, I'd rather see Burrow in Cincinnati. Uh, where do you think the NFL wants to see Joe Burrow? Oh, Miami, no question. Really? Yeah, Miami and, is one of the one. Of the, it's like you know, it's not a flagship organization, but it's a right. it's a it's a very meaningful organization to the league. Right. It's a, Obviously, it's a bigger market. It's a historical franchise. Um, the, yeah, NFL, the NFL doesn't want a guy, a, a, a talent like Burrow with Mike Brown's organization. I know they'll say, oh, but Ohio and all the... They don't want that. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, they don't want to deal with what, how the Bengals potentially may mismanage it if they had their choice. Not like the Dolphins have been a model franchise at all for the last 20 years. Really, maybe you go thirty years. Whatever Dan Marino retired, you could argue since then you could say they have not been a model organization. I think, but I think that they feel like okay, this is somewhat competent ownership, somewhat comp- like promising front office and, and coach, big city, important franchise. Like the Bengals are an important franchise. Like let's keep it one hundred in terms of the NFL landscape. I'm not talking about to their right. fans and to the Midwest, just in the NFL landscape. If the Bengals are I bad think- forever. The NFL is going to survive. It they, they it literally did for like thirty years. 
you know, since right. the 80s till when I was a teenager or, you know, almost when I was in college, the Bengals were and always no, terrible were, and nothing was wrong with the NFL. Yeah, when they were good, even recently, you know, no nothing one changed but, when the NFL. They were good, so it's. But my my question would be, I think they would be, I think from just a intrigue standpoint, I would personally be more intrigued by seeing Burrow in the AFC North with Lamar and uh, Baker, and then you have Pittsburgh, obviously. But I feel like, and the AFC East is kind of it's just boring right now, and maybe it won't be. Maybe if New England tanks. Uh, that and maybe you know they're in a position where they get Trevor Lawrence next year, and then it's not boring at all. <laughs> that would be very interesting. But um, which, by the way, really quick, what do you think about what New England's doing? So they cut, not they cut Kessler, they brought in Hoyer, and they're keeping Stidham. In keeping Stidham, Stidham and Hoyer appear to be maybe competing with maybe uh, Stidham, maybe having an inside track from what I saw. On television the other day, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, man. It really, who, who, but who, Brian, last time I saw Brian Horry play, I forgot who he's with, but he just looked done. And he yeah. doesn't always look terrible, like in his in his career. Right. He's had times where he's a serious. He's had times guy. where he's looked like he could ball a little bit, but I forgot whatever team he was playing with before. I remember <laughs> just feeling like just like it was just it was just grotesque. Like, time, it was time to hang it up. Yeah, it was grotesque watching him play, and I'm just like, fam, he maybe he's a backup, but he cannot be starting. It was like watching Mark Brunel play those few snaps with the Jets when Mark Sanchez got hurt. It was like, oh right. god, just, just, just put Sanchez back out there. Is he healthy? Is he good enough? Because Brunel, good mentor, good you know guy in the locker room, he should not be playing on the center in live games with against uh, first teamers. That's the way. Last time I saw uh, Hoyer, that's how he looked. So yes, I would also agree. I assume Stidham had is the guy with the inside track. Are I they going to tank? What was that? Are, are they tanking? Like, is this is this Bill Belichick saying, "All right, I'm going to be smarter than everybody, everyone that thinks I'm bringing in Jameis Winston or Cam Newton and trying to trying to win the division?" Like, no, I'm going to be the worst. Well, they don't have any money, so like that's that's like that's what it comes down to. I don't know if it's necessarily them feeling like, "Oh, well, we're we're, we're purposely going to try to go after." Like, if Jameis Winston. Is he really going to turn down? A no, but I mean, I think they have less than a million dollars in cap room, if I'm not mistaken. Is that like they really don't have any money? I'm not saying like, oh, like they got five million dollars. Yeah, I would think that if there's any team that could do that can get guys to sign for way lower than their value for a one year deal to prove it, it's to Belichick and the Patriots. But I mean, Cam and and what's name ain't paying for eight hundred thousand. You know, right. like they, they're going to need a couple million dollars at least. I don't know, four million, five million, I would think to play. Uh, for one year in New England on a one-year deal, and could that money be cleared? I don't know. I don't know their. That, that, that would be my next yeah. Part. I don't know their salary situation. I think enough that they to, have an to interest in that, personally. I, that doesn't seem to be. I don't think you bring Brian Hoyer if that's your problem. I think that they feel like to me. I think Bill Bill knows every roster in the NFL. <laughs> I think that there's a. I do agree. I think there's a reason why he there doesn't. There's no noise about. Jameis or Cam. I think I think with Cam, I think he feels like I'm not touching that guy without knowing what his medical situation is like. And right. with Jameis, I, I, I think that he just doesn't like him. That's my take. Like, I don't know. There's nothing, nothing like here. It's just, it's just hearing what reporters and people inside when they talk about those guys in Patriots and how they phrase it, that's the impression I get is that based on his evaluation, Cam is not healthy enough, or at least he doesn't have the proof that Cam is healthy enough feel comfortable and i think he feels like winston 
something's up with him. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he doesn't think he's good. I don't know if he doesn't think that he's not a leader or he's a bad character. Guy. I don't know what it is, but I think that there's something there for there to be so you, no traction. So, you, so your interpretation is that this has less to do with tanking and getting Trevor Lawrence yes. just field and more to do with they don't want those two guys. So Hoyer's the next, the most sense option. Yes, that's what I think. I think that I think that Bill thinks that we need to get Stidham to start next year. He, we like where he is. We think that he's progressing. Let's get a company man. We thought that he had. <laughs> we thought that he was a. We got him in the fourth or fifth round, whatever they got him. But we think that he maybe was a second round talent, and we think that compared to where Jimmy was, Jimmy Garoppolo in their system in year two, that he's pretty much right on track. I think they feel like we need to get this guy ready to play week one. That's what I think is happening. I think they, they'd rather do that than, you know, roll the dice on Jameis, not knowing what kind of character he is or not knowing what, where his head is at, or rolling the dice on Cam and him having to go out in preseason because he's just not ready, or him just showing up to camp not ready because he's not healthy or whatever. Like, especially in this climate where things are so uncertain. We don't know when camp's going to start. You, don't, you aren't going to have any OTAs most likely. Like, all these things play a factor. You know, if Cam can't, if Cam or Jameis can't come into the facility and work out with the receivers, learn the playbook with the coaching staff, meet with the coaching staff. You know, I mean, if anybody stresses those details, Kendall, is Bill Belichick of anybody in the NFL. So I think that that's going to be super important where he knows that for all these years he's at Tom Brady. Now his quarterback, there's all this uncertainty. I think he prefers to have guys he knows what he's getting. He feels like. There's an upside to Stidham that I think I feel he probably has an idea instead of if the best case scenario happens, Stidham will play like this in my system with everything we have in store. And he's comfortable with that. He says, okay, if that doesn't work and he's just not ready, I know what Hoyer is and at least he knows my system. I'll work with what I got and then we'll figure it out from there. I think that's his mindset. Um, he has a next man up mindset. That's literally his term. Like I think he maybe literally phrased, like he should have trademarked it because he's the first guy I ever heard say that next man up thing. At least use it as much as he does. Next man up and do your job. Although those are the two things I've seen Bill Belichick pretty much use as his like catchphrases almost for his career. That's I think how he's taking a look at his quarterback situation. It's like next man up. All right, we lost Brady. What do we? What can the guys I have in my system? What can they do? Uh, tell me what they can do. Tell me what what how we can make them successful. And we're not going to be looking for some you know savior because that savior is not coming. Can't make him play the way Brady did last year. Jameis is not going to play the way Brady did last year. And I'm not saying that Brady was lightening it up, but those guys aren't as good as him at this point in their careers. So, it, it, you know, like, if that's the case, you might as well try to build something with what you have. I think that the whole tanking thing, it may be a result of what happens, but I don't think that's, like, his goal. I don't think he thinks like that. Something else could also be uh, afoot here and something that we haven't mentioned yet. But... And Ben Volan from the Boston Globe is one person to, to, who floated out today. But what if this is also this also could be a play for Tua Tungo Bailoa, who we were going to talk about. We guess we can talk about now. Okay. Uh, had clean, got another clean bill of health. Um, leading up to the draft, he's been working out with Trent Dilfer. Uh. Pre-draft, he posted some videos of him throwing, uh, very brief videos of him throwing uh, at a socially safe distance, <laughs> I, I may add. Um, 
Detroit obviously has the number three pick in the draft. They're not going to draft a quarterback from what we know. Uh, their head coach is Matt Patricia, New England guy, former New England guy, has a relationship with Bill Belichick. Uh, Nick Saban, to his coach at uh, Alabama, has a relationship with Bill Belichick as well. What if two is the guy they want and they feel like they have the juice potentially to get up to number three and they're clearing the way for two to be the guy? Maybe not from day one because he's hurt, but he claims he could play from day one. But if not, you've got Hoyer, you've got It's Stitt. possible. Yeah, I think, that that's, I think that's definitely possible. I'm not uh, – I think that he's probably not banking on that. I think the way Bill thinks is I think that he puts all of his options it's on the table. Yeah. And he has all these contingency plans, and he'll work various different angles to eventually get a, a conclusion he's happy with. I think he, I think he, I truly do believe he he understands that Stidham being his guy is a real possibility. I think that and that's why I don't want to stress that. Oh, he's this is all a play for Tua. I don't think he works like that. I don't think he works. That I'm gonna not get a guy who can play next year because I think I'm gonna get Tua Tunga Wailoa. I don't. I don't think that's how he thinks. I don't think that's how he would ever operate. Do I think that he could be saying, okay, I know the guys I have here are question marks. And based on the assets we have, there's a quarterback out there who has people have question marks on. But if there's anybody, I have as close a relationship to his college head coach as any head coach in the NFL. So I will know everything I need to know about Tua. And maybe I'm sure Saban seemed to love Tua. I'm sure Saban gave him all the goods he would want in terms of what he'd want to hear about what Tua what kind of player Tua Tagovailoa is? Yeah, and he may say, you know what? Based on all this stuff, I'll I'll roll the dice. I think that I think that, he, but it's not going to be the chess moves, but not just like oh, it's just like I'm putting all my eggs in this basket, and then if it didn't work, oh well, I guess I know Stidham couldn't play, but I had no choice. I think he feels like, look, if Stidham's ready to play, then he's my guy. But I think he also feels like, yeah, if there's a chance that Tua's out there and that could be out there, I think that's certainly. Something he's open to, you know. How likely is it? Bill is Bill Belichick. And the Patriots are very unpredictable for a team that's like so, like the, your model franchise. Like I think they're one of the most they're one of the most unpredictable model franchise dynasties I think I've ever seen in terms of like watching sports. Typically, like the model franchise don't make the bold moves. They kind of make just those kind of smart, savvy moves. They don't do anything crazy. You know, they don't bring in Randy Moss after a terrible time. With the, you know, Raider. They don't bring in. Antonio Brown after, you know, sexual assault allegations. Like, like they, certain things those kind of franchises don't do. Um, and those are obviously the, the two the little two problem child scenarios. But there were other moves that were kind of like, oh, my God, I didn't expect that was going to happen. It's rare. The, the last time it seems the Patriots traded up in the first round of the NFL draft, um, I can't even, I don't even know what year this is. Well, they don't, because they don't do it. Because Bill, Bill is not in, he's not under, he has no interest and being swindled by anybody. Yeah, 2002, they traded up for Daniel Graham. And that, and clearly that didn't work. No. So that's probably why you haven't done it since. But he, he has traded, traded up a lot outside of the first round. Yeah, he's traded up in the second, third round, because those are more shrewd moves. Those aren't right. Those aren't gambles. I mean, they are but, gambles. But, but we have like, heard that Bill has been interested in trading in the first round a lot. He just hasn't yeah, gotten they, it done. The they've wanted, they wanted Baker Mayfield, you know? And that kind of also, when I think about the Celtics, it kind of reminds me of all the stuff about, oh, yeah, Celtics wanted to get this star and this star, and they just didn't do it. And then I don't know where they get Kyrie Irving. People are like, whoa, what? This makes no sense. But 
Danny Ainge clearly had interest in getting a star player, and he finally got one. Mm-hmm. Maybe the deal with Belichick. I think that I think that the Patriots, I think their their ability to be unpredictable and take calculated risks, I think is why their dynasty has lasted so long. I think because I'm kind of just kind of I'm stuck still on that theory of why are they so much more predictable than the other dynasties I've seen. And I say, well, number one, they've lasted way longer than all of the dynasties I can think of. And I think part of it is they don't like is that whole thing I talk about. We talked about on this show and we talk about it off air where we talk about, you know, don't rely on the idea that you'll just be back next year because you have the same guys. Like things change. and If you're not getting ahead of that curve, you're losing. Like the Patriots, I think, maybe the perfect example of that. They always are, are retooling, reshaping. Yes, Brady was was the only constant throughout this whole thing. Everything, everybody else was expendable. Everybody. He didn't want to lose Gronk, but I mean, but like, besides him, everyone at certain he point. He didn't want to lose Aaron Hernandez, but <laughs> that's the other one. But we won't bring that one. Up. Right. <laughs> I don't even know how to follow that. But like, but otherwise, everyone, every single guy that's walked in that facility is expendable, and I think that's why it's 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 ruthless to think that way. But I think that's also why they've had so much success. Um, what? On on the other side though, not necessarily on New England, but like, should should they want Tua Tango Bailoa? Like, is that a good fit? Like, should they want him, or should anybody want him, given his injury concerns? I think they should want Tua Tango Bailoa because I think at the end of the day, I think at the end of the day, I mean, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything, and I think that their best case scenario for Stidham, I don't I don't know what that looks like, but if they don't think he's a star. And, they, and I think Bill would be a little bit foolish if he thought, I know this guy's never going to be a star, but I can still win a Super Bowl. Like, I'm not saying that you can't do that, because I've seen Eli Manning. You could argue he was a star, but I'd argue in the season he won, he didn't play like a star. Um, I've seen Eli Manning. I've seen Joe Flacco. I've seen guys win Super Bowls that weren't necessarily stars. Um, I've always made the case that you need a quarterback that is a not necessarily a star, but a guy who's a franchise quarterback. Right, one one right Trent but like well, that, that was a long time ago i'm talking about you can't even that, that that's right. like that's ancient years because that's that was a time when the nfl was three yards in a cloud of dust still like the closest thing to that in recent memory was peyton manning but like right peyton manning with the broncos but in all three situations elite elite all-time defense so and new england just doesn't have that uh he may think he does he may think he does, man, but I'm not, and I don't know if I'm one. If I'm like, look, I, I said on the show, I, I said on the show, I thought I was extremely disappointed. Look, I said on this show, I was extremely disappointed in a team that was supposed to be this elite defense getting run over by Christian, by by uh, by, uh, by Henry, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. I, I I said that on the show. I, said, I that was very unimpressive to me for a team that was, and I know their defense is geared towards 2020 football. Whereas everybody throwing, and that's why they're so dominant on that side of the ball. But I still feel like if you can't stop the run in a big situation, don't tell me your defense is dominant. I, I don't. I don't want to hear it. So I get you on that. I'm just saying, from his idea, he may feel like we ran into a terrible matchup, and under most circumstances, my defense is elite, and I can get by with a Peyton Manning on the Broncos at the end of his career or a Trent Dilfer type guy. I wouldn't agree with him, but he may think that. Or he may think that that's good enough for one year, and then next year I'll make a play for someone else. That like the, all these things again are kind of in play. 
Um, very interesting conversation. I, uh, I'm, I'm wondering what our audience thought of that. But real quickly, I, I want to go through these topics a little quickly because we're running out of time here. Well, really, there's only one more before we get to get to flames and trash. Um, Antonio Brown was working out with Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown, who apparently is his cousin. I did not know that until oh yeah, I was yeah. today. I was today day old when I learned that Antonio <laughs> Brown's cousin was Hollywood Brown. But they were working out in Florida, all of them South South Florida boys. And obviously, people got excited, throwing the questions out there. Bruce, Bruce Arians already said, no way Jose Antonio Brown is going to team up with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Which I don't know how I felt about that, but we'll talk about that. But I'll let you finish. Um, that's interesting. I didn't even hear that. I kind of want to talk about that now. But maybe we can't get a second on that. But I want to move quickly on this part. Should the Ravens consider A.B.? Despite the fact that he's under investigation, despite the fact that he's being sued for sexual assault, he has the felony battery charge that he's fighting. <laughs> he's Antonio Brown, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I don't, he, I yeah. Don't basically, he's Antonio Brown, right? So yeah, that's what you mean. <laughs> you should consider him. He's Antonio Brown. Uh, I mean, look, because there's I a part think... of me, Kendall, that feels like there's a part of me that feels like he's clearly the missing piece, isn't that's... he? Isn't he clearly the missing piece on their offense? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a that's a serious question to ask. I, I think he could be. Now, is he kind of like look? In his prime, he's kind of like, oh, he's just a better version of his cousin. But obviously, he's not. You would think he's not the, the deep deep threat that his cousin is now, Hollywood. So, but they do need that short intermediate guy who can be who can rack up 10, 10 catches a game, um, in his sleep. Make things easier for Lamar. Look, I think the Ravens locker room could be surprisingly a good fit for AB. I think he could thrive. Like, I don't think he respected the Pittsburgh locker room. There was just a lot of. I don't want to say it was like a a a, a dictatorship, but it was a little bit of like a. It was a little. Um, I mean, he spoke about the idea that Ben got away with everything. And everyone else was just like a cog in the system, he right? Like and I he's don't think he about liked, that. And I don't think he liked the relationship he had with Ben. I don't think he liked the relationship he had with Tomlin. And Harbaugh, I seemed to embraced, seemed to have embraced that locker room a lot last year, and really relished in the fact it that saved they saved his job. He better embrace that. Locker yeah, room. yeah, exactly. <laughs> saved his job, and he relished in the fact that they were kind of, you know, kind of an underdog kind of situation. With a quarterback nobody believed in, he really believes in Lamar Jackson. He does, and Lamar is Lamar. Obviously, for a lot of reasons, would connect more with AB than what you call it. He probably looks up to AB from. They're both from South Florida, mm-hmm. so uh, Lamar, at least Lamar from Pompano Beach. So, you know, like of course they, he's going to connect to AB way more than Ben did. Which may be what AB needs. I think AB also could have used the Tom Brady thing in either New England or Tampa, but that's not an option, which we'll talk about. But him in Baltimore seems to make sense. I think from a locker room perspective, also you have his cousin there. You know, he wall up so much, but then you also you also talk about all right, it, could he be? There's also the thing of could he be an influence, a poor influence on a young locker room. 
I mean, they did have, they do have Mark Ingram there with a vet. You know, they had Sizzle there. Oh, they didn't have Sizzle there. They tried no. to get him there. But hopefully he can get him there if he doesn't retire. But um, I don't know. Like, it's, it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. Because um, it's similar to, look, when Phoenix tr- thought about getting D'Angelo Russell in the offseason. And they realized they thought he would be a bad influence for Devin Booker, and they didn't do it. Is that something that uh, Baltimore decides with Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown? That we have two young stars in the offense bringing in Antonio Brown, who's a, believe it or not, like still a revered figure amongst young NFL players. Of course. Yeah, I mean, as crazy as you would think. He's a legend. (laughs) He's a legend. You know, guys love him. Yeah. Like, is it really worth it? Uh, some a, a lot of teams have said no. Almost every team in the league has said no. I think that team having won as much as they did last year would be fine. They like, I think they have a level of respect for each other that they just wouldn't like. Him going to Cleveland would be a mess. You know, him oh, going. Yeah, no, you can't do that. You know, another team that kind of just hadn't done anything would be a mess. But this team, they already won thirteen, fourteen games last year. You might as well. I would, I would do it. If everything checked out, of course. Right. But yeah, I think I think that has to be the big caveat. If, you know, if you feel like he ain't gonna get past any of the crazy stuff that he's involved with in terms of the investigations, then no. If you think it's gonna clear check out, and you can zero tolerance policy him, say, look, one slip up and you're done. You might as well take the shot. I feel like this team, Kendall. I don't know. We we had a conversation about this with football before. I think it was talking about Mariota. Um, and his his mental psyche in terms of what it meant if he was a guy replacing Tom Brady. How I thought he, there was no way I would have put him in that position, even if the fit was good. And I do he's think, still Mariota. I do think the fit was good. You saw what he said about the Raiders saying, this is Derek Carr's team. Which I'm like, yo, man, EJ. What did I tell he, you? He could have predicted that that was Mariota's psyche, man. Well, yeah, what, what did I tell you? That's, yeah, which that's, I didn't like that statement because I'm like, yo, man, you're, you're being brought in to compete. Yeah. Not being brought in, but Mariota's a team player. I think he may have acknowledged that, and but still not going to say that in the public. Yeah, but, and he may still be ready to compete, but like that's not the guy that should be replacing Tom Brady. Like that mentality may work in Oakland. Like him just saying, "I'm here to just put my head down and support this guy as long as he's a quarterback." That may work with the Raiders and what they're. That's in Oakland, obviously in Las Vegas now. Um, that may work for the Raiders and what they want from him. That was not going to work if you're replacing Tom Brady. Was my point. And just the only reason why I bring that up is because I think we don't we underestimate like the mental. I'm not here to play armchair psychologist with a lot of these athletes. I don't. I don't hope I don't do it a lot. I think that can be very patronizing. But I do think sometimes as 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 people who cover sports or watch sports, we kind of underestimate the the kind of mental the the mental aspect that goes into sports. Man, the the, the Walter Ravens got knocked out in that playoffs last year. Let's keep it 100. That was a second-round knockout. They got KO'd. That was Deontay Wilder match two versus Fury. There's a certain level to that kind of embarrassing, demoralizing defeat that sometimes does carry over into the next year, which is why the AB thing to me is so fascinating because I think it could go one of two ways. I think that AB could be the exact kind of guy to give them the swagger that they need going into next season. 
to really get them past what happened last year, make them feel like they are a new team, even though we know they're a team that's talented or we know they're a team that should be competing for a Super Bowl, they may need the feel of feeling like we're a new team. Sometimes teams that are talented, they can't get over what happened last year. It don't matter if they're the same team. What happened last year is carrying over into this season. Just look at what happened with the Rams this year. Clearly, they needed a more invasive, more dramatic over, uh, you know, overturn of the roster than what they did. Because something was lost when they got beat the way they did in the Super Bowl. And I could name a bunch of teams over the course of sports history where that's happened to. I think about the, 2000, um, the 2008 Mets, 7 Mets, whichever one lost in the NLCS. That team was fractured. That team wasn't the same after that. And guess what? It, it carried over into the next two seasons. Team that shouldn't be competing for World Series couldn't get to the playoffs. It couldn't keep a, 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 a lead in a divisional round, in a division, in a division late in, the, in, in September. Like, I feel like AB could be the guy that actually moves them past that. They may have a whole different vibe, a whole different feel by just having them there. I also feel like a team that mental that's mental state may be so fragile, maybe having a guy so combustible may be a terrible idea. Like, that's why I'm so torn on it. Because, like, he could be the guy that breaks them le- legitimately. He may, like, I don't know if you, like, there may be a thing you say, oh, no tolerance, he does something stupid, you cut him. I don't know if they could withstand his circus, even if it's for a week or two. It may be too <laughs> much for them based off what happened. The Ravens are the, the, to me, they're one of the most interesting teams and fascinating teams that God, you know, hope, God, I hope we get an NFL season to watch, regardless of even AB's on the team. Because I don't know who anybody who watched them play last year and that them playoffs feels could feel good about them this season. You could maybe feel good about what they did before the playoff game, but lack of preparation, lack of uh, of execution, it just appeared not ready for the moment after being so great th- during the regular season, having already been in the postseason with that same roster, most of the same roster the year before. That was alarming. How bad they looked. A coach that's been won a Super Bowl, and they look like that against Mike Vrabel. I think that's why if I would think about rolling the dice, but I'd be afraid. I think that like the Patriots were somewhat, they were somewhat able to survive the AB fiasco. You know, yes, they lost in the first round, but I don't think he was why. Like they were fine for the rest of the season. Um, for the most part, they obviously lost the last game to the Dolphins, which was ended up being crucial. But they had a good season. It wasn't anything. About what happened with AB, they moved on. The, the 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 Raven the Ravens have a very experienced defense with a lot of you know older players, Earl Thomas, Marcus Peters. They just signed Clayus Campbell. They have some guys on that defense offense besides uh, Ingram, a little younger. So AB's influence, we would think, would be a lot more. Uh, a lot now, more what I had mentioned was, um, you know, Bruce Arians uh, came out talking about AB said. It's not gonna happen. Um, said they didn't have the, said they didn't have the money. Probably not enough money. Uh, it's not gonna happen. It's not a fit here. Uh, I I just know him. He's, he, it's not a fit in our locker room. And the GM Jason Like also came out and said, right now there's only so much money they can go around. There's no plans to sign another receiver. Bruce Arians knows him better than all of us. Right now I say we're focused on other areas of the team. It's very interesting. It seems like the two things they're concerned about are one, money, and two, Bruce Arians knows him. 
those are two uh those are two consistent things um i don't think money's an issue it may be maybe he's kind of he, he's high maintenance he has been at least so maybe he does have a certain number that he wants to get to and they can't get to that number but i think he would play for not much at this point um but I think the more important thing, they wouldn't bring up the whole A.B. knows him thing if it was, or Bruce Henry knows knows him if if that wasn't the primary thing. And I, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I guess they're just being honest, and that's fair. But, I I mean, Bruce Arians doesn't, Bruce Arians worked with him in P- Pittsburgh, people don't know. Uh, and as far as we know, did not go well. But I I don't know. I think there's a better way Arians could have squashed that. Given at least a more politically correct way. I don't know. I mean, he may want nothing to do with AB, and I can understand that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you could say, you know, being politically correct or being, you know, like, uh, finessing the situation. Like- he may just be like, yo, there's no way in hell I'm putting that guy on my roster. I don't care what my GM thinks. I'm going to sabotage any chance he has by saying he ain't going to be on the roster. So... I don't really have an issue with it if that's how he really feels. And Arians has coached AB. He coached AB before the AB we see now. This is the we guy that this is the guy that Ryan Clark was saying that he was telling people, "Hey man, if you give that guy a lot of money, just watch out." That's the guy that that Arians coached. So Revontae's birthday hit. Right. So <laughs> if Arians coached that guy and or knows that guy and has seen what he's turned into. I can see. It says, I know the guy. I don't want to touch him. Right. I can see him feeling like we were warned about this guy back then. And look what he's become. I'm not even dealing with him now. I can see that. I can, I can see that. Uh, let's quickly, Kendall, do uh, flames and trash here. So I'm going to go first. My flames, Kendall, uh, Bryce Harper. Um, obviously, there's no baseball happening right now. It's going to be hard to find flames for a lot of these uh, athletes and teams because there just isn't much going on um, in terms of you know team activity. But I got to give a massive shout out to Phillies outfielder Bryce Harper. He announced he's um, donating $500,000 worth of coronavirus relief causes to the city of Philadelphia and his home city of Las Vegas. A lot of this money will be going to a local food bank in those bo- in both of those cities. Obviously, we've talked a lot about the charitable works of plenty of athletes. Uh, I think that took a little took way too much bullying. I don't want to say bullying because people have been saying that. And it's like, I don't think y'all are bullying. I think y'all were just speaking the truth. And these guys started, women started doing the right thing. But we're finally starting to see some of these NBA owners and NFL owners and baseball owners, you know, pay up employees and things like that. And it took them too long. And I, I've, I've been vocal about saying that I'm tired of having to keep showing us, you know, shouting out these great athletes doing these great things. And the team, the guys with the billions of dollars aren't doing anything. But nonetheless, I did think that, you know, this came down just today. We recorded the show on Thursday. I thought it was a really cool move. So, uh, Bryce Harper, he's flames for me. Uh, flames for me, Scott Boris. Scott Boris, super uh, baseball super agent. Um, has come out with uh, a lot of – he's had a lot of things to say about, obviously, the way Major League Baseball should handle this uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic uh, and their response to it. And – one of the things he mentioned was the the World Series happening in Christmas. Um, I think that actually be, could be cool, you know. You know, having it at a 
some sort of neutral site, warm weather city, avid being a Christmas holiday sport. I think that could be fun. I think people would watch that. But what I'm what he's flames for is um, his discussion on the MLB draft and his commentary on the MLB draft because the MLB has decided that the MLB draft this season will only be five rounds and that uh, next season it'll only be 20 rounds from it's usually I don't want to make up the number I believe it's 50 plus at least it's definitely at least 35 but uh, so they're shorting the draft by at least 30 rounds um, this season and his complaints are that you are uh, you're saving yourself only around seven eight million dollars in uh, in revenue to or in, in losses rather to uh, and but by doing that you are greatly hindering your farm system for all the teams for all 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 the minor league teams around the league and for all your teams essentially you're the team that run the farm system so um, that the long term effects will be way more drastic than the short term gain that you'll get by. Uh, saving seven eight million dollars so i understand look they're desperate to save as much money as possible in these in these poor economic times that we project but i agree that i think that this is a that five a five round draft is a little drastic i now i don't think anyone wants to do a 50 round draft in this climate i just don't think that i don't think teams would want to do that but um it is a shame that players that normally would get drafted now we're going to have to go back to school. Um, the kids that can't go back to school because they're graduating now or I don't know what they're going to do. They have to sit a year out, I guess. You know, they're not going to be able to play in the minor leagues. They're not going to be able to negotiate a contract. They're just – maybe they're just free agents. I don't know. But um, it is going to be a shame. I mean, I look, I, I don't watch past the second round of the MLB draft anyway, so it's not really going to affect me from a television perspective as a fan. But uh, it, is, it is unfortunate from the uh, – for the players, and they actually were going to move the MLB draft this year to Omaha and have it right before the College World Series, which also would have been kind of cool to see, but uh, obviously, of course, that cannot happen anymore. My trash this week, Kendall, will go to Mike Leach, head coach, new head coach at Mississippi State. He is trash because he was forced to offer an, offer an apology on social media um, for an insensitive tweet where he tweeted a picture of a woman uh, knitting a noose, saying that this was uh, a woman two weeks of quarantine with her husband, and she decided to knit him a scarf with the caption, and it's an older woman knitting a noose. Uh, Leach then offered an apology on Twitter, saying, I sincerely regret if my choice of images in my tweets were found offensive. I had no intentions of offending anyone. Uh, which I, got, I love the... I'm sorry if you're offended. Apology. I'm not thinking. Yeah, the messaging on this is not great. Keep that apology, man. Keep that apology. Mess- messaging. I, like I don't. I don't care. Like to me, like if you really don't. If your thing is, I'm sorry if you were offended. I don't need your apology. <laughs> like I. Like to me, you should be apologizing for the act. If you don't think the act was worthy of being offended, and you're saying, "Oh, only if you were offended, then I'm sorry." Then I don't. To me, it's just stupid. I would never. I will never offer an apology that says, "I'm sorry if you were offended." Um, so that's just me, but, uh, no, I like, I mean, trash. Look, I mean, it's really, it's pretty cut and dry here. You can, I don't know. I don't know. Obviously there's some people going, you know, 
there's very terrible optics for the coach of a team in Mississippi tweeting pictures of nooses. Mike Leach is a odd person. Just call it like it is. It's a very good chance, or even a there's a solid chance he didn't know or think anything about race. He thought this was a sick joke because he's a weird guy. Nonetheless, it just to me, it just it just speaks to a level of um of just of just sheer incompetence that a guy who's supposed to be the leader of a university is tweeting ridiculous crazy memes like that like i like and it's funny because i've seen him tweet other memes over the course of this coronavirus thing now i'm realizing he this is what he's been doing with his time and he just doesn't act like a, a the guy who's coaching a major division one football team and to me it's only a matter of time for a guy who's so uh I don't know. So thoughtless in, in kind of his content, his uh, his um, the way he carries himself. It approach, yeah, yeah. It's only it was only a matter of time before he did something extremely, extremely stupid and extremely well, insensitive. So this was people that, that that moment, obviously. Well, people that watch college football, you know, so why is Mike Lee coaching at Washington State, or why is he coaching at right. Texas Tech, or you know, why is he at or, these oddball places making why noise? The best but job why is he, yeah, exactly. State. There's a reason why he hasn't coached in the SEC or the ACC mm-hmm. or at any major Division One program. It's because he's 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 a stuff like this. He's not, you know, stuff like that. You, no, eight, no athletic director could really trust this guy. Yeah. To truly, truly represent the program as they would like, but at the same time, they also just landed the a top three quarterback in the country. So, I mean. Mississippi oh, State. He's, he's going to have some success at Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean they're going to win. I mean he's a, a terrific coach. I was going to say a brilliant. I was going to say a brilliant offensive coach. I think that that's not. I don't think that that's unfair. I don't no. think that that's hyperbole to say that about Mike Leach. Quarterback's going to go there. But I think he has two quarterback commits actually. If I'm not mistaken. Or no, he actually he brought in two grad transfers. But Kendall, well his his now. conduct is his conduct on a it's coming out on a regular basis is so unbecoming of a head coach. Yeah. And that's why I had to make him trash. It's going to be on a higher profile now than even it was at and to Washington me, I'm not State. Even, and I'm not even here. And Texas Tech is a, is a backwoods program, no disrespect to, to them. It's just a it, it, Texas Tech listener is about to get a lot of uh, un... <laughs> that was Kendall who said that. I have no beef with Texas Tech. Y'all cool with me. <laughs> but it, it's in the middle of nowhere. No, no okay. disrespect to love Texas. But <laughs> but he, and he couldn't last there. So we may, uh, you know, and Washington State was is probably one of the more, uh, you know, non, you know, one of the more off the radar Power Five jobs you can have, if not the most, even more than and even more than Texas Tech. So he was able to kind of do some crazy stuff out there. Nobody cared. But Mississippi State's in the SEC, so as yeah, Starkville, no, yeah, any anything you just do, just as bad as anywhere. But the SEC coverage is different. Yeah, exactly. In any other conference, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. This was this was but, just, yeah. This was this was foolish. This was you know. I'm not even here to say anything crazy about Mike Leach, but just be better, man. I don't know what to say. Like this is just completely ridiculous that you would post something like this. So you're trash. And that apology awful. So anyway, who's your trash? Um, trash for me this week. Uh, Monday Night Football and Monday Night Football. Uh, ESPN has been trying to retool their broadcast uh, to keep 
or to put themselves in the ring for a Super Bowl, to be in the Super Bowl rotation during the next TV deal. Um, they were they had hopes to bring Tony Romo, who ended up getting his huge contract from CBS. Uh, that did not happen, obviously. Uh, so then they pivoted to Peyton Manning. Uh, Peyton Manning was the guy. Well, no, first they pivoted to Al Michaels to hope lure Peyton Manning. They tried to give Al Michaels in a trade, or at least in a, you know, we'll take on his contract. You guys could just go with Rico. And NBC said, no, we're good. We're going to stick with Al for at least the next year or two uh, for until his contract runs off. Uh, so they couldn't do that. They couldn't pull that off. And once that happened, uh, that ended up with, that it ended with Peyton Manning also giving them a no. Uh, so ESPN right now is kind of in a weird spot, you know, and I look, I don't, I, I have much respect for Joe Testor and Booger McFarlane, you know, not, not many, not a lot of people don't, but I do, you know, those guys, you know, they have an easy job, but it's more so trash from the standpoint that uh, ESPN is trying to replace these guys. Clearly they've made it very public and they have not been able to. So it's going to get to the point where if those guys are doing Monday night football game next year, it's going to look terrible because it's going to be like, all right, you guys didn't, you, you clearly didn't want, you clearly didn't want this to happen. This is worst case scenario for you guys, and it's what happened. So they have to, they have to save face somehow. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means putting Lewis Riddick on Monday Night Football, who I, I'm a big fan of, but so, I think they're, I think they're concerned that you know, once they do that, he'll get a GM job, and then because he will. Once people listen to him every week on Monday Night Football, and he yeah, he'll be he'll be an easy sell to the fans. It'll be it'll be easy sell to the fans. He'll be interacting with teams for, on a weekly basis, like mm-hmm. front of front. You know, we all interacting with personnel. Like he, he would get a he'd be much easier for him to get a job, but then they'd have to replace him. So that would be it's not ideal, which is why I don't think they've done it. Uh, so they're gonna have to pivot to somebody, and they don't really have anybody. Mm-hmm. The one name, the one interesting idea has been maybe you put Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit on Monday Night Football, but what does that do to college football? Yeah, so there are there are conversations being had, but right now the Monday Night Football has to be trash. All right, Kendall, let's get out of here. What's Kendall's court? Uh, Kendall's court uh, for me this week. Uh, it's going to be NBA draft related. We talked about the NBA draft. We don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, plenty of teams around the league have said that they are assuming, or not assuming, but they are operating as if the draft is happening in June. A lot of teams have pushed their... Uh, right now, the the only operations that are happening right now, for the most part, besides team doctors checking in on players and teams checking in on... and front offices checking in on players, is uh, draft work. A lot of GMs, a lot of coaches and stuff are now... In, Scouts have had more have more time to look at NBA draft prospects in preparation for June's draft or whenever it is. And uh, the Golden State Warriors, Bob Myers has said that he sent uh, about eight or nine players to Steve Kerr to look at uh, as their short list of guys they are going to consider in this draft. Um, but reports from the San Francisco Chronicle uh, say that they are not interested in LaMelo Ball uh, or Memphis's James Wiseman, but that they are that, but that if they had the number one pick, they would select Anthony Edwards, and then if they were at number two, 
they would uh, select Israel's Denny Avdia from Maccabi Tel Aviv, uh, someone who's not really on the radar of most people in America right now, but has a lot of has had a lot of buzz in Europe, had a good season. Uh, we've talked about it on our YouTube channel before, obviously. We've talked about all all these guys that I mentioned, but um, easy. What do you make of that? Because a lot of people, the the Lamella ball makes sense, you know. They already have a point guard, obviously, you know. So why would you do? You don't necessarily need Lamella, mm-hmm. but uh, Wiseman has been a guy that people thought would be a dream fit for Golden State. They need a five. They haven't had a five, uh, and they seem to have no interest. And I, I surmise yeah. that when, when Steve Kerr said a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, it's been a long time, obviously. Uh, whenever he said that, um, that they planned on looking at free agency. To the side of center. Yeah. When you say that, that means they're not they're not going to draft Wiseman because you wouldn't sign a center, a starting center in free agency and draft guy. So what? What? But where? What's the logic? Do you think in them not? I have a theory, but what's your what's your theory? So I think with Lamelo Ball, I think that clearly, you know, the idea of him and Steph in the backcourt, I think it probably isn't as appealing to them. Uh, neither guy very. Physically imposing, though Ball is obviously very tall. Um, you know, you have to move Clay Thompson to the three a lot, which I think is I'm fine with. I've already said that. I thought that I said they should. Yeah, man. I said they go. I, I said they should go out to Bradley Beal. So I, I think that Clay can play the three right. if you Edward, if you had the right lineup. You know what I'm saying? I just think right. that with Ball, and if they're gonna Edward, that's what's gonna happen anyway. Right. Exactly. You so know, I like, think I think with Ball, the Ball thing weird It's like you really don't want Ball, but you front you want Edwards. Yeah, so so my thing is, I think the thing with Ball is, you know, you're you're okay with, you know, Anthony Edwards is a physical specimen. So, you know, you feel like you're not losing anything from a physicality standpoint with him in the backcourt. And you don't lose anything in regards to shooting uh, because he's, he's right now a more reliable shooter, I think, than LaMelo Ball has shown to be. I also think with LaMelo Ball, there's a, there's a, there, I think there's 100% a maturity thing with him. I don't, know if he, I don't think that he would be a great fit in the Golden State Warriors. I agree. Bottom. I don't think that his... His makeup, it, right now, again, he's only 19 years old, but or however old he is. But right now, I don't think that as a teenager, his makeup is where the Golden State Warriors need him to be. If they're trying to compete for a championship next year, which is what their goal is going to be. So I, I totally understand not wanting LaMelo Ball. Wiseman is a little more interesting. I think it's a, maybe a little more technical. I think they probably feel like they have a system that is not easy to comprehend. It is. It takes a lot of... It's a lot of his chemistry. A lot of it is also you have to be a smart, high IQ player. I'm not saying James Wiseman isn't smart, but I think for a young big man, sometimes a learning curve in the league, it's it's a little bit steep. And they would worry about having a big man who you know you can't play late in games as much maybe because of certain lineups. Um, having to try to get him up to speed with how the Warriors want to play just may not be all that appealing to them in terms of what he may bring them in value for what he can do. Would I agree with that? No. I think that he would bring great value. I think that there's always value in rim protection. Uh, I think there's always value in um, vertically spreading the floor in ways that the Warriors have never really been able to do. I think that he would bring a dimension that they haven't had yet. I just don't think that they value that as much as maybe I do, to be honest. I think that the Warriors have played all these seasons throughout this whole time with this Splash Brothers dynasty. It's been Festus Azili, Andrew Bogut. It's been 
you know, it's been nobodies at the center position. You know, Kevin Looney, great, good player. You know, very, you know, they've developed him very well. And to be fair, he was a young guy. He picked up the system fairly quickly. But I don't know if they want to invest a number, a top three or four pick on that kind of player who they feel is going to fill that role. I think they feel like they could get another Kevon Looney or Looney himself can just continue to do the role that he's been doing in that. So that's my theory. I think they feel like when you look at uh, Danny Avdia, I think that he's a high-skill player who I think they feel like could probably fit in kind of the Andre Iguodala role that you know they've clearly lost now that he's gone. He's not going to be Andre Iguodala day one. Clearly, he's not the defender. Um, and he's just not as good. I mean, he's, he's going to be only a kid when he gets to the team. But I think some of his strengths in terms of being having point-forward ability, being a good passer, um, good athlete. being a good athlete, I think all those things are, are things that they, they like. And I think they think that uh, Anthony Edwards is just a dog. Um, I think that there's anything that right. they've been, he, yeah. yeah, and I think he's a, he's a, he's a, a great talent. And I also think that like Already. put him on any team, you want him in your foxhole. Like I don't think you're passing yeah. up a guy like that. You know what I'm saying? I think that he's kind of cut from the Draymond Green cloth. I think that Draymond Green would be a great influence on someone like Anthony Edwards. So yeah. those two guys make perfect sense in terms of what the Warriors have and the how they play. I see why those guys make more sense for them. And I can see why I don't agree with the Wiseman assessment that I'm kind of hype, hype, uh, you know, hy- hypothesizing about them, uh, for them rather. But I do see why they would be hesitant to, to feel like Ball or Wiseman were great fits. Yeah. Um, I, I think when you look at the Wiseman situation, I think I don't think that they think there's value at them if, uh, at them drafting a center in the top five. Like I think more and more teams that they are going to come to that conclusion, which is why there's a lot of smoke that Wiseman could drop out of the top ten. You know, I don't necessarily believe that, but in terms of like, I don't. I, he'll go in the top ten, but there are mock drafts out there that, that have Wiseman at 11, 12, 13. Which if I'm the Celtics, I'm jumping in on that really quickly if I could. But. Um, but they, I think there's a value thing that they, that like, yeah, you could throw and they would know better than anybody because they haven't had a good center since Steve Kerr's been there exactly. and Bob. So, and they've, they've been a dynasty. So I think they would, they, they would feel like it would just be a waste of this asset, you know, like, why would we do that? But, um, LaMelo Ball, I think LaVar Ball can't be over, can't be understated as well. Um, it's just, that would just be a weird fit. You know, and LeVar, LeVar has already kind of made it clear he doesn't want LaMelo Ball to be in Golden State. So, um, and don't, don't, don't hesitate to think that maybe it hasn't been made clear to both parties that they don't want each other. That there's not interest, yeah. Could be made interest. The Warriors could have reached out to agents and said, hey, fam, we ain't really feeling him at the moment. And I'm sure with all LeVar said about the Warriors over the course of this time, saying he could be Steph Curry and all that crazy stuff. Is that you know Lonzo is better than Steph as a college player? Yeah, like I'm sure that that you know there's bad, there's not yeah. bad blood, but I'm sure it's not like they're uberly excited to be a part of that crew. Yeah, this would be is insane because I'm like, why would you want to be with guys like Curry and Thompson and stuff? But I mean, there is something there for sure. Um, so I think that that's that's a that's a factor. Uh. With Anthony Edwards, uh, one thing we that is is something that is uh, interesting. This is more of a behind the scenes thing, but he did sign with Octagon, which is the same agency that reps Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. So I do wonder if that if there is some of that involved. Steph could be pushing 
them to take Andy Edwards. I mean, he's the best guy, so it's not like it's or he's at least the consensus is that for most people that he's the best guy. So it's not like they'd be drafting someone out of the out of the the blue. Uh, I wouldn't sleep on Obi Top and also go to Golden State. Um, he, he came out and said he wants to go to Golden State. At least his parents said that he wants to go to Golden State. So uh, and they were being interviewed by Steph Curry's parents. So um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule that out. And Denny, like you said, kind of a mature player in terms of, you know, having been a pro for a couple of years now and played for a, you know, historical franchise in Europe. You know, they could feel like, you know, he could fit the system well, be uh, be effective. Um, I think if I were them, the guy I would target would be Edwards and then Wiseman. Um, I agree with you. I think Wiseman, in terms of a fit, I agree that, yeah, the value may not be great, but they're not in a situation where they should be desperate for some dynamic young talent at the guard position. I just, I think Steph Curry's going to be there for a while. You know, I I think Clay Thompson, I mean, you don't know how he's going to come back from the ACL. You don't know what position he's going to be. You know, you don't know how long he's going to be there, but he did sign there long term. Um, and ideally he's a two guard and I just feel like you can survive with those guys in the backcourt you know you and you had D'Angelo Russell you didn't feel it was a good fit so why would you then bring in Anthony Edwards I think Edwards is a better fit than Russell because he doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time but yeah I think the difference is is I think Edwards is a clear two yeah he's a clear two could fill the lane great in transition you know, you have him and Wiggins are the two elite athletes on the wing. Mm-hmm. There, there, you know, however long Wiggins is there, so there is there is upside to bring Edwards, and he's I mean he's much better than Jordan Poole, much better than Damian Lee. Yeah, you know Steph Curry's brother-in-law. <laughs> Always got to throw that out there, <laughs> but um, but I just think Wiseman gives them a dimension they haven't had, and they certainly don't have now. You know, and as Draymond gets older. I think they're going to need more real rim protection because when they run into a real big man, not, there's nothing they can do. Like, if they got Wiseman today, they could compete with the Golden State Warriors. I mean, not, they are the Warriors. They can compete with the Los Angeles Lakers and Anthony Davis. Obviously, Wiseman's only a rookie, but physically, from a physical perspective, he's just as impressive as any big man in the league. So I, I would take my chances with that. Teach him you know, whatever you need to teach him in a year so he can be ready for the playoffs and hope that your guys stay healthy. But they may not feel confident in these guys' health. That's something that, that they also have to consider. They may not feel like Clay Thompson and Steph Curry can play 82 games anymore. So you need a horse like Andy yeah. Edwards who, who can be a number one guy when those guys aren't out there. So Because they know what it looks like. They've seen what it looks like when Steph and Clay aren't playing. It looks terrible if Draymond's the guy. You put Wiseman out there, it looks equally terrible. Yeah, so, yeah Wiseman's not helping you in that scenario. You need a guy not, who can be the alpha not, ball handler, you know, distributor. You can't be Eric Pascal. And Eric Pascal right. played great. But it can't be Eric Wiggins. It can't be uh, Andrew it Wiggins. definitely can't be Andrew Wiggins. So you're going to need this someone is what, else. So that's why I would say my big board for the Golden State Warriors specifically would be uh, Edwards, Wiseman, um, Avdia, and if you can't get any of those three guys, I think they're they're in a real spot. Maybe Obi Toppin, but after that, I don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't draft. I think, I think Obi Toppin would be. I think Obi Toppin would be an amazing fit with the Warriors. That's fair, in my opinion. I I, I 
we haven't you, we got more draft videos to put out. But I, when people see my evaluation of Obi Toppin, it'll be clear. I mean, why he's a great. Yeah, and I mean, it'll make sense why I think that he would should definitely be on their short list is what I'll say. I, I think that um, in the, the little work I've done, not even little, I've done a lot of work actually at this point, but in yeah. the work that I've done so far, I'm saying it's not, it's not complete. Obi Toppin, I think, was probably the most impressive player I've seen on tape. So, and I think that he's a perfect fit uh, for, he can play multiple positions, defend multiple positions, great athlete, can shoot. I mean, I I, I think that he would be the right guy. Um, Drew for a comp. Warriors. Stay tuned. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening to this podcast, uh, uh, the, this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. You can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, also, as you know, Kendall just correctly teased, make sure you check out our YouTube channel, New Generation Media, where we celebrated a really awesome milestone this week. We reached... 100,000 views uh, over the course of our time, our three three plus years uh, doing the YouTube stuff. We want to thank all of our viewers. We want to thank all of our listeners who, who check out our YouTube channel, but definitely want to shout out all of our YouTube subscribers or our loyal viewers, people who've, who've checked us out and really, really enjoyed our stuff. Or even if you didn't enjoy it, even if you haven't enjoyed our stuff. Either way, you know, we really appreciate you guys giving us a shot. We got a long way to go, but this was a, a pretty sweet milestone to reach and um and we're humbled by it we don't take it for granted at all so we want to thank you all for for helping i would us assume be a part of that i would assume if they're listening that they did enjoy this, our stuff but i would it could be so. some i mean i don't know man people if they hate, listen, people they hate watching they listen to a lot of stuff that'd be weird if you listen to a whole two-hour podcast and you you don't like anything we talk about. i mean you could maybe like our podcast but don't like our videos is that possible maybe i don't know it's possible. Yeah, maybe you it's feel like the, the content on the videos aren't your thing for whatever reason. All right. This podcast. I apologize. <laughs> Either way, love us, hate us. Please don't hate us. We don't hate anybody, so please don't hate us. But even if you don't like us, hate's very strong. Maybe if you don't if you not if you don't love our content, either way, if you check us out and you're getting us that view that get that helped us to get to one hundred thousand, we appreciate it. Thank you all. And if you want to check us out, and you've never checked us out on YouTube, you should subscribe to our channel, New Generation Media. Our next milestone on the horizon is 500 subscribers, and we're uh, looking forward to maybe happen, have, having that happen pretty soon, too. So make sure you check this out, New Generation Media. You can find us on YouTube.com slash New Generation Media. On social media, we're at Facebook. Uh, New Generation Media is the name on Facebook. On Twitter, we're New Generation Pod. On Instagram, we're New Generation Podcast. You can find uh, me on social media, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening in to this long edition of Sports Talk. Um, I know this, we had a one-week YAAs for this past episode. Hopefully, we'll do another show next week. I don't see why not, but if not, next week, yeah, we'll be back soon. Yeah, sports, sports is <laughs> obviously, the Gary. sports content is very thin, so we're trying to do our best, but uh, we will be back soon. This ain't going to be last year from us for a long time, at least. We'll be back uh, shortly. So, that being said, For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.